I'm Peter from The Daily Rios. And I'm Eric from Longbox Review. And this is episode four of Peter's and Eric's Legion Project Podcast. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Legion Project Podcast. I'd like to uh, uh, welcome Peter. Hey. Hey, Eric. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. We're back. We're, we're back for episode four. Yeah. The penultimate issue of this storyline, Eye for an Eye. Yeah, that's right. Hopefully people are reading along with us. I mean, we talked a little bit this about this pre-show. We're We're kind of expecting that people are playing along as we play along. Um, so I mean, who knows? Maybe they're just people who are just listening just to listen because they love, they love our sultry voices. I don't know. Well, maybe your sultry voice. <laughs> I don't, I don't have one of those. Uh, uh, yeah, but, uh, no, good to be back. Good to be back. Yeah, and there's we have a lot to talk about too. Um, so last episode, episode three, we we talked about two different uh, uh, number three issues involving the Legion of Superheroes. Um, I think we only plan to talk about issue number four this time, but we have uh, some feedback that's been building up. We want to talk about, and there's some uh, uh, current uh, Legion news, I guess. Yeah. We're not trying to be, you know, like your one-stop shop Legion talk kind of thing, but uh, um, I thought, it, you know, it's kind of fun to get e- each other's thoughts. You want to start with the news first? Yeah. Because we'll probably fire through this real quick. Uh, yeah, there's not much, really. Yeah. Uh, and none of this is spoilers, but apparently on Supergirl, uh, they're going to start bringing in some um, Legion characters. They're going to bring in Saturn Girl. Mm-hmm played by a Bollywood actress known as Amy Jackson. Oh, okay. And then um, on... uh, Oh, and then the other one is they're going to bring Brainiac 5 um, with an actor known as Jesse Rath. Apparently he was on a show called Defiance. I don't know what Hmm. that show is. Yeah, me either. I don't know when this is all supposed to happen. Um, but apparently they're doing the whole thing that they're, they're from the 31st century. And, um, you know, I don't like to read much more into the news, but I was like, Oh, look at that. They're going to do the whole Legion thing. And I know they teased a Legion ring in either Supergirl or flash. I think it was Supergirl in one of like, uh, as she was traveling between worlds or something like that. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of cool. So I wonder, do you think that they're going to do, uh, essentially do the, uh, um, we'd like to welcome you to our club type storyline, or is it going to be something? Cause I, quite honestly, I'm, I'm not up to speed on Supergirl. Uh, we, we left off you know, somewhere in the second season. 
Um, the last time we started, we, we, my family and I were watching the show. And so I, I honestly don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but definitely having Legionnaires show up in Supergirl will make it, uh, much more enticing for me to get back into it and get caught up because I want to see Saturn girl and Brainiac five. And, you know, are they going to, is Brainiac five going to be a, a new love interest? They're going to, are they going to play into that just like they did in the comics? All right. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> and, and is he going to be green? He's, yeah, just, that's my thing. Is he going to be green? If he, if he's not green, then I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't make him green on Smallville. Oh yeah. He was, um, he was the same actor who sp- who played Spike in the Buffy series. What? I did not know this. <laughs> did you uh, did you finish Smallville? Did you get no, it? No. No. Yeah, so the later seasons they have a uh, the, the actor who plays Spike and whose name always reminds me it's it's similar to the same actor who it's similar to the actor who plays Cyclops in the X-Men movies, like James Marsterson or something. I don't James, know. I, it's Marsters. Yeah. James Marsters. And James Marsden is, I think, the Cyclops actor. Yeah. There you go. So uh, he played Brainiac. Oh, okay. He, I knew that. Yeah. Right. And then there's a later episode where he comes back and you think he's Brainiac, but he's actually Brainiac 5. Oh, Cool. He wasn't green, so there's precedence. And oddly enough, in just this week's Supergirl um, episode, as we're recording in whatever date today is, November 13th, um, there was a very small Smallville reference. No kidding. Yeah, I I was kind of shocked. So when I put that with this whole Legion thing, I wonder if they're going to suggest... Uh, because there was a Legion episode where Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, and Lightning Lad uh, showed up, you know, um, on Smallville with Tom Welling. And I'm wondering, are they going to try to continue that, or is this going to be a whole new thing? So that's what has me curious. Well, you know, I think the the the, the best thing that they did in Supergirl was introduce the, this idea of the multiverse. Or wait, or was that Flash? I guess maybe that was Flash originally. It was they, Flash, yeah. Yeah, but but to continue that continue that on in Supergirl, and you know, they're different universes. We have different characters, and and we can cross over. I, that's I love that aspect uh, of those shows. Yeah. The other news that I had uh, is just some Twitter um, artwork that I will put links in the show notes. Um, both artists, uh, Julian Lytle and Phil Jimenez have both been doing, uh, Legion sketches. They're not even sketches. They're, you know, they're drawings. They're not just sketches. Um, Julian, Julian Lytle was doing it for Inktober and Phil Jimenez is just doing it, I guess, to keep himself, you know, um, he loves the Legion and, I guess he's just doing it to keep himself sharp. Um, but both of them, Julian's versions are kind of like updated, more contemporary versions. And Phil Jimenez, his versions are uh, a little more classic, uh, not even 80s. Sometimes it's like the 70s era. And they're both just uh, so good. And, and Phil is doing uh, some villains in there as well. And he's mixing in like the whole Legion universe. So I'll put links, we'll put links in the show notes so people can check it out. Um, 
or just go, you know, look up Phil Jimenez and Julian. Julian Lytle is just his name. Julian L Y T L E. Um, just so good. So good. And every time I see it, I, I, I save it on my phone so I can look at it forever. <laughs> and there was, there was one I sent you from a, an artist on Instagram, um, who was doing uh, some Legion art too, but doing it as if uh, uh, Kirby inspired costumes or, or, or uh, kind of backgrounds and stuff. It was, it was kind of neat. Yeah. Some of them were, I felt uh, a little more successful than others, but I was like, yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah. I just, I, over the weekend, um, uh, I was just, I had some time to kill and I was looking on Instagram and, and, and search for Legion of superheroes and found a bunch of stuff. And so that was, Besides um, uh, Phil Jimenez's and Julian Lytle's stuff, you know, that was the other thing that I found that was remotely interesting. Yeah, like I, I, I really like the. Uh, I think it's hysterical that he makes Timberwolf look like uh, Sabretooth almost. And uh, I, I like the Saturn Girl one. Um, I like some of the designs on the Wildfire one. So yeah, we'll have to put a link to that Instagram too, so people can see that. Chris Maka. And yeah, and and there's even a Karate Kid one, which is odd because he cut off the character's head and feet. But I mean, I guess to to just kind of focus on the costume itself. And considering what we're going to talk about with issue number four, I thought that was kind of interesting to note. He knows what we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. <laughs> if you don't mind, Peter, there's one more thing I wanted to mention. Uh, this is not even really legion news but you know um i i think you and i have talked about this on the show maybe uh or maybe it was just <laughs> you and i t- uh, messaging back and forth but uh at one point um jonathan hickman i think it was during rebirth when rebirth was being announced and stuff jonathan hickman kind of uh um hinted at a possibility of maybe working with dc and maybe doing legion and you know it turned out not to be true at that time, but just recently, uh, news broke that Brian Michael Bendis was, was going to DC. And I immediately, uh, uh, retweeted that, that announcement. And then I said, uh, you know, and for me, you know, just me personally, one, two of my favorite writers, and yes, I do like Bendis for those out there. Um, <laughs> who oh, so per- I. perhaps think otherwise. Well, it's just, it's just so funny that the, the the Bendis haters out there, man, as soon as that news broke there, it was like, oh, DC is doomed. Um, anyway, uh, anyway, so I, 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 I tweeted out there, well, that's one down. Now we just need Hickman. And, uh, and that's, and I apparently was not the only one who, who, who made that connection or, or wanted to, to, to be, uh, uh, uh hopeful thinkers, or wishful thinkers uh, in maybe Hickman coming on to do some DC work. And given our conversation before, uh, I thought that was kind of fun, you know, fun to ponder at the very least. Yeah. I mean, there was some speculation or some hints, or I don't know if anything's been confirmed yet, but that he's possibly coming over even just recently. So, right. Right. Um, yeah. And everybody's like right away. Even with Bendis, they were like, he needs to write this. He needs to write that. Yeah. It's like, oh, how about give him a chance? I, you know, maybe, well, maybe we don't want him on Superman. Maybe we don't want him on. Maybe he'll right. he'll do what he did for Luke Cage and what he did for 
you know, some of the smaller characters. And he brought all these, he brought new engaged interest to the stuff that he grew up on. So maybe that'll happen with DC. Same thing with Hickman. So that means, you know, given, given Bennis's, um, uh, adeptness at kind of like the street level characters, Mm -hmm. he could do a revamped version of the karate kid, uh, series from the (laughs) seventies, bring Val back and put him in the 20th, 21st century. There you go. (laughs) I don't I would read it, but uh, I don't know if it would be all that great. But <laughs> I don't know if it would be a seller. Uh, yeah, you know, a, a character that, I mean, we're, we're, tan- we're on a tangent here. But, I mean, he needs to be on a book like The Question. or And we're already doing what, what I already criticized earlier, <laughs> is telling him what he should write. But, right. you know, like some kind of street level. He's good at street level. But you know what? I also want to see him do big comic superhero comic-y kind of stuff too like you know whatever he's he'll find something and he'll latch on it and he might who knows he might do like a slam bradley detective story <laughs> well yeah that's kind of up his alley too so yeah and to be fair he did open it up on twitter what what do you what do you guys want me to do and you know that just opened the floodgates but so anyway anyway okay so should we do some uh feedback Yes. All right. We, ne- we weren't able to do it last episode because we were we were being chatty, <clears throat> and we just knew we weren't going to get to it. But, uh, you know, please, by all means, send us feedback. We will respond either through the email or through the episode. And we may not read all of your response, but uh, um, I, I think it's just awesome that people are listening and, and playing along with us. Yeah, yeah. I it's it, uh, The feedback that we've been getting has been... Uh, very interesting and uh um and you'll you'll see this as we as we talk about this but uh i i I just love the how much feedback we've gotten i mean we have we have uh we're gonna talk i think about four emails that we got um but there it's not like you know just hey we like the show keep it up that kind of stuff it's people are really engaging with the content Mm -hmm. and and their own experience and thoughts about legion issues and and things that are being brought up so uh, i just i'm tickled pink about this well where do you want to start why don't you why don't you pick one and we'll start there okay well i thought we just start at the the earliest one that we got um as as far as i can tell this is from uh listener mervin and so i'll I'll read some of this peter and I'll, i'll summarize the rest but uh i wanted to let you know let us know that i love your concept of the legion project uh, Mervin's a longtime Legion fan, uh, as his first comic book was Superboy and the Legion 224. Offhand, I don't remember what that issue is. Do you, Peter? I do not, but I will look it up as we talk. Okay. All right. And he also has a couple of the Adventure Comics Digests, uh, which I, I love those digests. And I also have a couple of those, too. But he really began collecting the Legion with number 292. He says, that's right. I started collecting the Legion in the middle of the Great Darkness Saga. Wow. Well, 224 apparently is with Pulsar Stargrave. Ah, okay. So that's the Mike Jim Shooter, Mike Grell era, 1977, 1976, 1977. 
Uh, Mervin says the Baxter run was part of my transition from comics racks at the grocery stores or mailed subscriptions to the local comic shop and the direct market. And then he uh, he talks about how uh, he's not making accusations, but there there seem to be some similarities in 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 his mind between uh, this storyline, Eye for an Eye, and the adventure story Under Siege, which I am not familiar with. No, me either. Uh, so apparently, both both tell stories about wars with counterpart villain teams. Um, and then uh, he brought up what I thought was a really interesting point. Uh, Peter, you and I had talked about, especially I think in episode one, about Lightning Lord, and uh, I think I brought in uh, commentary about what where Lightning Lord ends up later in the series, kind of you know rehabilitated and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Mervin says, I think that you're bringing his resolution and rehabil- re- rehabilitation from five years later too far forward. Uh, the back matter in those stories does an, does an excellent job of diagnosing his condition and, re- and revealing how the treatment slowly changes him into a better person. I think bringing that story this far forward muddies the intent of this story. Uh, so I was, I was curious what you uh, what your response to that is, Peter. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think if we want to play, if we want to put it into our own little head cannon, like we wanted to put it into our own little. Uh, hindsight, you know, clearly what happens to Mecht in the five years later Legion, um, uh, I don't know yet what the outcome of, of his character is out of this story yet with issue number five, because I haven't read it yet. Um, I read it years ago, but I haven't read it recently. Um, it's fun to sort of say, oh, look, you know, it's so interesting to see the whole sibling rivalry considering what happens later. Um, obviously none of these, uh, creators thought that far ahead, you know, um, it's 1984, five years later, doesn't start till 1990. So, it, um, I, yeah, I, I, it's not a linear progression, but it's fun to kind of make the connection on our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he did also say about Mecht, um, he, he's always read Mecht not as contemplative or conflicted, but mad. And that uh, seeds for this, this, uh, this story, Eye for an Eye, can be traced back to Legion of Superheroes number 302. And I think that's the one where he goes and tries to, I think, recruit Ayla or, or was trying to find her, I think. I think that's maybe that after she left and, and, uh, Garth and, and Mech had that big fight and then we get the really cool scenes of them just encased in lightning and, and fighting each other, the different colored lightning and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was, that was a good issue. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, and he says, I, I eagerly await your next episode. So I'm now I'm curious, uh, what Mervin has been thinking about these later ep- episodes that we've released. So I, I, I hope that he, uh, uh, writes us again. Yeah. Uh, then Peter, we got, uh, an email from Brian and, uh, Brian wanted to let us know that he loved the first two episodes and the Baxter run is where he first started reading the Legion. Uh, see, Uh, although he says my first book was also not one I'd recommend to anyone as a first time Legion book, which was Legion 45, uh, number 45, the anniversary issue. Hmm. Is that the one? No, I don't. I don't remember what that one is now. That's another. Say, is that the 
That's that the one where Lightning Lord. Uh, oh, it is Lightning Lad. I'm sorry, Lightning Lad and the Luck Lords or something like that. Oh, okay, okay. Pretty sure that's the issue. He said it was a very confusing issue with no explanations at all, but the characters intrigued me enough to get as much as I could in back issues, which, I mean, that's that's kind of how I approached comics when I first got into them. I I knew nothing of these characters, especially the Legion. I knew nothing of these characters other than, you know, I knew Superboy. That was obvious. But these other characters are like, what? who are these these guys and gals and what are they doing and why are they doing these things? And I just would dive in and find as many back issues as I could to fill in those gaps. And that was always one of the, the highlights of comic reading to me was, was doing that. And so whenever I hear complaints from people about um, uh, the convoluted history of the Legion, I, I just kind of go, whatever. Cause you know, all I got to do is go find the stuff and read it. <laughs> <laughs> if you can make heads or tails of, uh, uh, the X-Men line, if you can make heads or tails of Doctor Who, if you can keep all of the Star Trek in your brain and any other fandom, you, you know, you, you can you can jump into the Legion. It may just be you're just not interested enough to, to make the effort, and that's okay, but nothing is so undecipherable. Um, I mean, they're... <laughs> Their their powers are in their names, you know. So it's not like you have to figure out uh, what does Invisible Kid do, you know. Well, <laughs> it's sort of in the name, you know. Um, I guess that's true. Yeah. 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 So I mean, I love ensemble. We talked about that this before. I love ensemble books. I love anything sort of ensemble. Um, there's more to play around with. The character dynamics are more interesting. Um, yeah. So. Uh, it, it hooked me. It won't always hook everybody. And I think that's why if they do a new Legion book, I really, really, really hope they don't try to do what they're doing with Star Trek Discovery and trying, trying to shoehorn it into um, eras of the team that we already know. You know, like if they're trying to start it over again or um, just, just, just jump it, jump it. Jump it 30,000 years. I don't know, something. Just jump it. <laughs> Just totally ignore everything that came before and make make something new out of it. You can have mm-hmm. connections, but just make make it new. Make it fresh. So, like you, Peter, you just used the word hooked. Um, Brian actually did as well. He said ever since that issue, he was hooked and mostly devoted. He didn't really like the ending, uh, I presume, of the, the Baxter run and the five-year-later stuff, so I stopped for a while. Uh, he says, who knows, though? Maybe when you get to them, I'll take another look. <laughs> really glad you're doing this and keep up the good work. That's awesome. Do you want me to read uh, Charlton uh, Chris's? Yeah, go ahead. So Charlton Hero of the Superhero Satellite blog uh, has a comment on issues on episodes two and three. Uh, he talks about issue two taking off really fast out of the gate with the lightning Lord and light last confrontation, which he, uh, relates to being star Wars inspired channeling the Luke Vader emperor scenario, uh, which, which when I, when he said it, I was like, ah, yeah, I can see that. That's a, that's an mm-hmm. interesting little twist on it. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that either. Yeah. Uh, he has a love-hate relationship with Keith Giffen's work, 
but felt issue two was very on point. And that's been an interesting thing to see people who, who like him, people who don't like him. Um, I think he even in the, in the email that he wrote about the third episode, he said, I was sort of surprised by this. The Baxter series covers uh, are generally weaker than the Tales covers that matched up with the Baxter issues. However, issues three cover issues, uh, the, the cover for issue three for the Baxter run, he thought was an exception with wildfire kicking ass on the cover. Uh, and he, he's a, a big fan of wildfire. So that, that was interesting to me hearing that, you know, I thought that was one of the first times someone preferred the tails covers. Yeah. Yeah. I, cause I don't, I certainly don't, but, but I can also see, um, uh, the, uh, criticisms of some of the Baxter issues. Yeah. You know, issue number four being one of them for me. So and I'll talk about that later. Okay. Yeah, I think there are some covers that we'll, when we get, because we always are on these episodes, we're comparing the two covers, which I like uh, when we get to it. Um, and there are some that I do prefer the tales over the Baxter, but not just yet. So um, what else did he talked about? Uh, let's see. Uh, he loved the reveal of the evil child at the end of Annual 3, being a fan of the Great Darkness saga. Uh, the kid in me loved this issue because it was the first time that they truly dealt with the repercussions. Um, he did not necessarily like the Kurt Swan artwork. And then that's where he talks about wildfire being uh, a high point, uh, one of his favorite characters. So yeah, that's just a little, little bit of here and there of, uh, of, uh, Chris's little comments. So thank you for that. And Chris was our, our first, uh, multiple feedback per episode. So that was, that was really cool. We got, we, we're getting uh, repeat customers, so to speak. Oh, I did want to make mention of this. So he, he brought up the meanwhile columns um, that Dick Giordano used to wrote in the eighties. And he said uh, there was a mention of a firestorm graphic novel that DC claims is almost finished. And he's talking about um, they were going to do a Firestorm graphic novel. I think it was Jerry Conway and maybe I don't remember the artist. I don't know if it was like uh, Raphael Kanyan or I think that's how you say his name. It was going to be a graphic novel with Firestorm called Corona. And they might have morphed some of that story into a later annual, but I, I don't quite remember the details. And I've never seen artwork from it. So I'm sure maybe if I did a deep dive on the internet, maybe it might be an easy find somewhere. Someone probably has a Firestorm fan site that has a whole bunch of information on that. But yeah, when DC was doing those graphic novels in the 80s, um, one of them was going to be Firestorm, and they, they, but it never came out. Yeah, that was really funny. When I, when I read that from Chris, um, I actually had that in my notes for uh, that episode. I was going to bring it up, but you know, it, did, it didn't quite fit to fit within what we were discussing, and so I just let that go. But it was, yeah, it was funny that uh, he picked up on that too, and uh, yeah, that would have been nice. And he also said something about the, the gem, some son of Saturn uh, comic that was referenced in that same Meanwhile column, and I was going to bring that up as well because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Peter, but I think you're you're a fan of that series, right? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That was one, one of those 80 series that I jumped on as a kid that was completely, well, it, it wasn't so far removed from the DC universe because Superman was in it. And, and, uh, but it was that, you know, really interesting Gene Colan artwork and a, a new character. It was supposed to be a Martian Manhunter story and then they repurposed it for uh, a whole new character. Um, but it was one of those in the eighties that I felt like I was the only one reading it sort of like Amethyst. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. I like it. I like it. I like that. I wish they would trade that series. One more thing that Chris, uh, talks about from his feedback for episode two that I want to just make note of, um, because I, I had talked about, I made some swipes at element lad as leader as being so, sort of an ineffectual leader in this storyline. And, uh, uh, Chris says, I have to say, I was never a fan of Element Lad as leader. Um, uh, Element Lad would not, would not ever be in the con- uh, conversation to me as far as voting for Legion leadership. So I just thought I, I enjoyed that part, uh, considering my, my, uh, my comments, too. Cool. Well, like I said, if you want to leave us feedback, uh, you can leave feedback for me at peter at com. Uh, Eric, where can they get a hold of you? At longboxreview at gmail.com. Awesome. I'm glad we were able to do that. We should also give a shout out to our intro music. Um, uh, it's row music, I T S R H O music. You can find it twitter.com slash it's row music. We'll put a link in the show notes as well. And that theme song is called lost city. Yeah, sometimes Peter, I just I listen to the beginning of our episodes just to hear that. <laughs> so, you know, and and also I love the way you uh because Peter does the he does all the 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 editing of the episode. Um so I just want to acknowledge that because uh uh I I probably wouldn't be doing as good of a job as Peter is. But f- for example, I love how you you layer the music in as as we are as we are coming out of our intros. So I just yeah. think that's really cool. You know, I get bored. <laughs> so I'm like, I got to do something interesting. I don't get bored. I just it just like I always I'm always thinking about that. Like you know, it's it actually was the way you said the intro of the uh, the name of the podcast. You actually said it perfectly in time with the buildup to the theme song, the first time I ever used it in episode two. Yeah. And it was, that was no manipulation. Your, your timing of the way you just said it sort of gave me the idea to put the beats in like right underneath it. And it kind of all worked out and, and hit the high point once you were done. Ah. So this is all back. This is all pulling the yeah, curtain. No. <laughs> but, you know, it's part of the podcasting thing. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of podcasting and how to, make things sound interesting and little tips of trades and stuff like that. So who knows? Maybe somebody will be inspired by it. Well, shall we, shall we dive into the issue? Let's do it. All right. <clears throat> issue four cover date of November, 1984. So we're talking around August. This came out of 1984. And the only reason I, kind of said that or sort of made knew that is because I wanted to see when, when did the karate kid movie come out? The, the Ralph Macchio movie. Yeah. Uh huh. 
And oh, okay. that that came out in where is it in my notes? June twenty second, nineteen eighty four. And this issue came out August sixteenth, nineteen eighty four. So I don't know what the connection is, but I just thought <laughs> I just think it's interesting that the uh, they were probably working on this issue when the book came out, or or they had wrapped it up by the time this issue came out. Well, you know, and, and, the movie came out, I should say. Yeah, and in true DC fashion, they they totally are screwing themselves over. They have they have this character called Karate Kid. And this movie by the same name, which I would assume they, the, the, I don't know, I don't know who did the movie. Was it, was it a Time Warner, um, uh, movie or was it something else back then? Of course, was, it wasn't Time Warner back then, was it? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. But, but, you know, considering what happens in issue number four <laughs> that comes out a few months after the movie where people are talking about Karate Kid this and Karate Kid that, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just what were they thinking? Bad timing, bad timing. Yeah, yeah. As 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 normal. Yeah, I mean, they obviously knew ahead of time. They probably knew. They probably knew a year before that movie came out that they were going to do what they what they did with Karate Kid here, especially if Keith Giffen had any say. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure he planned that for a very long time. I I because I did some research on this uh, through the Legion Companion book, and. uh which I'll, which we will get to, but, uh, there was nothing said about, you know, how long had, had Giffen been wanting to do this certain thing in, in, uh, this storyline. Right. Well, why don't you give, uh, the credits and you have a synopsis, right? Why don't we do that first for this okay. issue? So this is, uh, this issue is titled Lest Villainy Triumph, uh, written by Paul Levitz. Designer again. I think I think we he was designer last issue as well. So they're continuing that Keith Giffen and they are co-plotters together. Uh, the artists are listed as Steve Lytle and Larry Malstead, with John Costanza as letterer and Carl Gafford colorist. And Karen Berger continues to be editor. And let's see. So I'm going to uh, give a real brief synopsis on this. Uh, give you the idea of the plot of the story. On Orando, some of the Legion of Supervillains are questioning Nemesis Kid's decision to leave the fight, as, as they did in the previous issue, with the Legion when he did. To assuage them, he sends them away to kill those Legionnaires that are just kind of, I guess, floating there in space. Um, meantime, uh, or meanwhile, uh, Light Lass, Ayla, breaks free from her, from her containment, um, as does Karate Kid. Uh, Ayla manages to take out those villains. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's, uh, that's my shorthand here. Ayla stows away on a ship, uh, with the villains who are going off to kill the Legionnaires, uh, and manages, manages, manages to take them out, uh, fairly easily, uh, which I thought was really cool, uh, before they can attack her teammates. Uh, meanwhile, on Earth, Cosmic Boy, who uh, I think Dream Girl makes some comment about him being the only Legionnaire on Earth. Uh, uh, but he's not just the only hero on Earth because he has recruited the, the Legion substitutes, uh, Legion substitute heroes and the Legion reservist, a bouncing boy and duo damsel and the Academy members to join together in case there's any trouble on Earth. 
Uh, Karate Kid fr- frees his fellow trapped legionnaires that are on Oran- uh, Orando, and they end up fighting the villains again and losing <laughs> again, <laughs> which I thought was, uh, we'll talk about that. Um, meanwhile, Karate Kid fights Nemesis Kid uh, in a oddly mm, uh, kind of, oh, what's the word I'm looking for, Peter? He, he, uh, I know he, he, he kind of loses himself. He, you know, he's not, not the usual cool, reasonable karate kid. He just kind of, uh, I think he's had enough. He's, he's had enough, damn it. And he's gonna, he's gonna do something about it. And, uh, some things happen there, uh, which I won't say just yet. Uh, but then he does something else to save the planet. And that's kind of how it ends. And I'm being intentionally vague here because I want to, I want to build up to those moments. Anything else you want to add to that? No, I think that's good. Like we said at the top of the episode, <laughs> we're we're assuming people are going to list, read it with us. And if you're not, then uh, you'll just hopefully in the conversation, uh, the rest of the stuff will come out because uh, um, I like the conversational approach that we're bringing to this as opposed to um, trying to make sure everything we say is understandable you know mm-hmm. um, we know it because we're reading it and we're hoping listeners do too but uh you know it's still we're still in our experimental stage and people seem to be grooving on it so we're working we're going to keep going yeah yeah it's not a you know we're we we i think we intentionally decide we're not going to do like a panel by panel analysis although sometimes it might seem like we are mm-hmm. <laughs> it just depends on the panel <laughs> Well, I'm I'm sort of curious of what let's do our general thoughts because as you were doing your synopsis, uh, I was like, "Ooh, he's editorializing while he's doing the synopsis." Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's because I was I was writing for me to understand right. uh, the plot, and I realized as I was reading it, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense t- telling someone else what what I'm doing here. Yeah. So, yeah. what did you think? What did you think overall? Well. Um, Given what happens in this issue, I was surprised at uh, my reaction reaction to it because I, I really felt that it was, as I wrote here in my notes, uh, a collection of slow-moving plot points until the big fight scene. But then the way the, the certain big event that plays out, I was just like, what? I, it was It was a weird... Uh, switch in tone and, and flow in this, in this particular issue that kind of fell flat for me, especially when you get to the very last page. Hmm. So what about you? I really enjoyed this chapter. I, <laughs> I, uh, so we're going to be a little at odds today because um, in comparison to the, what I felt three felt like where three was, uh, kind of like this middle chapter, the danger wasn't quite there yet. Um, we get a new artist, which kind of threw, you know, could, could throw readers off. This one I felt was a little more streamlined in, in, in how the story was told scene to scene to scene. Um, for me. And I felt like the danger was ramped up, not only with Karate Kid, but with, um, well, with like Lightning, with Light Lass and with, with uh, some of the other heroes. There was just something, that, there was an urgency about this one that 
I I liked. I don't know. There was something about it that maybe because it's the second to last chapter, um, or just the focus. Uh, maybe they needed issue three to be like a transitional issue because of losing Keith Giffen, uh, not a hundred percent, but losing him definitely as the main artist. So no, I, 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 I liked this issue. I liked it a, a lot actually, um, hmm. as I was reading it. So it'd be interesting to hear where we, you know, where we sort of differ on what it was about it that, uh, struck us differently. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the cover? You you had a comment about the cover? Well, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's a very striking cover, really, because, you know, it's it's uh, Karate Kid's arm dangling there, uh, about in the middle of it, blood's dripping down his arm onto his, his um, uh, symbol that... Uh, well, that's that, that's essentially taken from that that wheel that we talked about in in, in episode one, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so it's it's just blood dripping down on that, uh, and and uh, just a little bit of light, just highlighting just that part, right? And so, I mean, I mean, from that, that's just that kind of simplified image. I mean, it's a very striking cover, like I said. But so, I had a question for you about this, Peter. Okay. I mean, we already we already knew from last the last issue what what where we're going with this, you know, or where you know what's going to happen with uh, with Karate Kid. Uh, I don't think it was really hidden all that much at all. It was it's like it's like uh, kind of like the best or uh, the worst kept secret type of thing. I mean reading uh, reading up to this and and it's kind of hard to to wrap my head around it in the sense that uh i already know what happens you know because i i i i read later issues back then and and i read this i read this story a long long time ago i just don't remember a lot of it now mm-hmm. i cuz i know i know what happens to karate kid here and like i said they they didn't really hide it and here we have on the cover something very suggestive and so i was curious you know is that because nowadays they would they would normally i mean really try and keep that under wraps they'd kill uh you know one of the 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 heroes i just let the cat out of the bag there didn't i (laughs) (laughs) that's all right um you know they i i don't see that happening a lot nowadays in in stories in in comics and so i just it was weird that they would telegraph it so much well and this cover was actually in the letter column yes for issue three yes thank you that's i I was trying to remember exactly what i was actually talking about but that's you're right that's exactly what they did they 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 gave us a preview of the cover and something about it you know if i didn't know what was actually in the issue there still could be and i guess maybe it's naive of me to, to think this but it feels like it could still be a question, right? We, it's if you're just looking at the cover, uh, you could still have a small sense of doubt of of sort of like, no, don't let it be Karate Kid, you know, sort of maybe hoping that it's a feint, uh, hoping that mm-hmm. it's just sort of like misguiding the reader. Um, uh, it could be any number of things. Like you, you sort of know it's Karate Kid not only from the symbol, but his the torn material is orange. So if you know his costume, you know, it's like that orange brown co- color. 
Um, so, you know, again, not, not to sound naive, but it, I, I sort of feel like it could be, you know, the, 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 think of the silver age covers of classic DC. They were always doing weird stuff on the covers that never truly happened inside. And yet here for, you know, they're, when you read it, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, they definitely mean it. This is a whole new era of Legion stories. I don't remember any Legion story being that sort of graphic on the cover, you know, that sort of like telegraphing that kind of violent, um, well, not violent, but that sort of like a something dramatic. I mean, has there ever been a Legion cover with that much blood? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, um, I also like it because it's very, like you said, it's very simple and dramatic, especially when you consider the three covers that came before. It's kind of nice to get a cover that is just an image, just mm-hmm. a very isolated image. So um, I like I like the cover. I like the cover. I will take exception, though, Peter, to the way part of it's constructed. Because if, you, if you're looking at this, it's... it's <laughs> I know I'm getting, I'm getting nerd, uh, nerd picky here. Um, but it's his right hand dangling down and it, he appears to be against a wall or, or, you know, some, some surface. Right. And so it's, it's vertical and his arm is hanging down. His right arm is hanging down near the floor. Mm-hmm. I don't get this. I don't get this. Uh, uh, I don't understand the physicality of, of where, karate kid is in you know the rest of him you know if they were to show the entire image with his right arm the way it is he's probably laying on like a a slab of rock or something like that i've I've always take as and i just put my arm over the uh, arm of my chair and my thumb is facing outward maybe it wouldn't be so oh i see directly down you know but i'm sort of thinking if you if he's on his back and his arm is over the edge of the the thing that could, it could work yeah. that way. I, I, th- I think, I think you're yeah. being very generous there, but okay, I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> I'm going to take a picture of me doing it. <laughs> and then you're you're going to see. <laughs> all right. All right. You want to contrast it with uh, the tails cover just real quick? Oh, sure. Yeah. We can do that right away. Yeah. And so all that is, is, uh, this oddly framed picture of all these faces of legionnaires and, and the supervillains, uh, reacting to these two silhouetted char- uh, characters uh, in the forefront fighting. Uh, a legionnaire will die, it says. Mm-hmm. That This cover by uh, Eduardo Barreto. Um, I did like the... I mean, he, he's got most of the Legion of Superheroes and most of the Legion of Supervillains as faces on this. Um, and I have to kind of give him kudos for making them, uh, as distinct as he's able to, which is kind of great. And the other thing that's kind of interesting is the perspective there. All of their eyes are looking at this battle, but if they're, if they're lower on the cover, they have to look up. And if they're higher on the cover, they have to look down and, uh, the eyes are very expressive in all of this or, or, Mm -hmm. you know. If they're a villain, they're usually smiling. If they're a hero, they're in shock. But, you know, think of there's Phantom Girl there. And the only reason you know it's Phantom Girl is because she has that little uh, pigtail thing in her hair. Um, light lash. She has the short orange hair right there or red hair. 
Um, you can kind of tell which one is Timberwolf versus which one is Ultra Boy just by their different hairstyle. Um, I, 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 it's not, it, I would definitely pick the Baxter one over this, but, um, I, you know, for the, for the depiction of it, I thought it's, it's not like this would never go on any list of like my favorite Legion covers, but I, I appreciated the, mm-hmm. the work in the faces. Part of the reason I wanted to point out this, this other issue, which is 329. Um, this is what I would think of as a, kind of a typical cover for this kind of story. Uh, if not just depicting the, the outright fight between the, the characters, uh, and they know that's suggested here with the silhouettes, but um, given the a Legionnaire will die printed very boldly on the cover, you know, this, this is, this is what I would expect. Uh, and you take that as you will. Um, I mean, the, the other cover for issue number four of the, uh, the story we're going to talk about is, I mean, it suggests the very same thing without <laughs> the caption. Um, <laughs> so I know it's just interesting to, 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 you know, we have this opportunity to compare these two, these two uh, entities, even though it's the same story, just a, a year apart uh, printing wise. Um, I, I, I find it interesting what, what they decided to do with these tales covers Um given that, like I said, they were a year apart and, and look at, (laughs) you're talking about the faces and how they looked. You see Colossal Boy there on the right, Mm -hmm. his look, it's like, it's like, Ooh, (laughs) that's not good. (laughs) And he's looking over at um, Karate Kid. So, you know, out of everybody here, I, that's, that's probably the most interesting face on this cover. And in comparison to the two of them, one feels like, the cover that they know can go safely into direct market and the other one that's going on newsstand. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. As we get into the book, I I made a note that it's interesting that all four issues, except for issue three have opened with mecht at the castle, either during a storm or with Ayla. Um, so issue one, issue two, and issue four all start with that uh, setup, making it you know sort of keeping keeping that whole Legion of Supervillain thing going. Um, so when this when it opened up into this first page, I was like, oh, nice, yeah. Once again, we're here again with the Legion of Supervillains, um, much like we were for the other issues or, and and definitely issue one. I mean, this is almost like an echo of issue one in some regards. And, uh, I like this little confrontation that some of, some of them have with nemesis kid, not fully trusting his plan. Um, you know, the, the Legion of supervillains there, they shouldn't be getting along. There's, there's personality clashes and, and some of it could echo, a reader's uh, place maybe as they're reading this multi-part story because the Legion of Supervillains are divided about, you know, do we kill the Legion like we swore to do or do we follow your plan and go to this other universe and take over whatever this universe has to offer? And, and I remember I was talking about how we weren't sure what the priority was either. You know, what is the main thrust of their a plan so I kind of like that it that little bit of confusion echoed with the 
within these first uh, four or five pages. Yeah, they. That's one of the things I I was responding to as well. You know, because all we've gotten so far is is that they've they've taken this oath. And they're putting this all this plan all together and all the, the pieces uh, to the point where they they kidnap Orando. But at, when I read this issue, I kept coming back to that oath, and I, and I, I I've been surprised that we haven't. And maybe it's just because I this is what I expect based on how stories are constructed now compared to when this was written. But I would have expected by now we would have seen a little bit more of the history you know, before the story opened, before issue one, to understand how this all came about. And I'm not saying that we need it. I'm just, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's merely a, a, an interesting comparison um, that we don't see Nemesis Kid perhaps recruiting people or how this, how this varied group of villains who, as we see, finally, I think I even talked about this in episode two or three now, I don't, I don't remember. Why are they not bickering more why are they why are they not behaving like um selfish villains and we finally get uh you know they're they're finally um conforming to my expectations (laughs) (laughs) and 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 so um uh I, i was glad to see that i like your point about how it opens and how we're getting that repetition going on uh mech even says something talks about the storm again although not not explicitly like he has in the past where he talked about how the storm basically talks to him. He he does say something about how the storm is roaring its approval for what they've done. And since we're on that first page, I just want to compliment uh, the artist and the letterer because we get, we get the conversation between um, lightning Lord and that sun emperor, right? Mm -hmm. With him. And they're, you know, they're, Lightning Lord says his bit about the storm, and then Sun Emperor says, "Oh, I agree with you, but some of our comrades do not." And and you see down in the lower left of this window scene, the characters like Tear, um, uh, um, expressing their dissatisfaction at at what's been going on. And then you turn the page, and it continues that directly uh, from a different angle, of course, but now we're inside. I just like the way that the page turn was constructed in that. So I, Lytle's starting to do some interesting thing or continuing to do some interesting things. Again, I, it's hard to know if, uh, he is taking any cues from Giffen, you know, the whole designer aspect. But as we talked about last episode, um, there wasn't a whole lot of real direction from, Giffen to Lytle. Uh, um, There's maybe a few pages where he had done done kind of like the the thumbnail layouts or whatever, and then Lytle was told basically do what you want. Um, and to me, this issue feels more like Lytle than Giffen, as opposed to perhaps the the previous issue did. Yeah, I think he's. I think the, in the in the construction of the figures and the way they stand and move. And, uh, this is, this is a little more familiar to me and what I, I remember Lytle as in, especially in later issues or in covers and things like that. I, I, uh, I thought it was interesting. So you mentioned the wheel there on the second page and they have the little 
symbols knocked out of all the people that they've captured so far. Right. Which is kind of, you know, that that's awesome. You know, chameleon boy and, um, phantom girl and anybody else that's sort of captured. But what the one thing, so there's eight of them captured. Uh, they already had karate kid. They had princess projectora and then, uh, uh, shrinking violet, chameleon boy, element lad, phantom girl, and ultra boy. Um, and light glass, but when you compare the wheel to the first page of the very first issue, I don't know if you did this, they have lightning lads, uh, symbol off of this thing. Because when you go back to the first issue, the first page, um, right there where Saturn girl's symbol is, Right next to it is supposed to be Lightning Lad, followed by Karate Kid, followed by Projectra, uh, followed followed by Chameleon Boy. Or no, followed by White Witch. That's what it is. So you see White Witch's symbol there by um, Tear's arm. He's covering the symbol for Chameleon Boy, and then you get to the next one, which is Block. So you don't really see Chameleon Boy. His symbol should be knocked out. But why would Lightning Lads be knocked out? So I was like, wait a minute, that's a mistake. Because in the inner circle hmm. where the reservists are, they do knock out Light Lass's feather symbol. And that's not there anymore. So I was like, okay, either it's a mistake and somebody thought that that was also uh, Light Lass. Or was there a previous script version that kidnapped lightning lad just like they kidnapped light lass i thought huh i wonder if that's like a, a revision that happened like maybe mecht had them all kidnapped but then they had to do that whole saturn girl pregnancy story and the curse and maybe they thought ah, eh, well i guess we won't we won't we'll skip that out but did they not confirm it with the wheel or is it just a mistake so i thought that was of a curious thing there. Yeah, I actually had I compared it to the wheel from issue one as you did, but I I I, I mit, totally missed the lightning lad thing. So, and <laughs> my note about this was uh, I say notice the wheel. Um, shouldn't they remove? I mean, considering their oath that they were supposed to kill a legionnaire each, shouldn't they only remove it once they've killed the legionnaire capturing? is is equivalent enough to remove the symbols from the wheel i i don't understand this oath thing then if that's the case ah, well, all villains jump the gun right so they, they, they have no pride the in their work or what ah, they all get excited they, you know it's like sort of when <laughs> you know when they capture them and then they 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 tie them up above the lava and then they go ahead and tell them exactly their plan <laughs> because they think the the rope is going to burn. And then of course the hero saves himself. So that's, yeah, you know, yeah. that's, that's typical uh, villain folly. A <laughs> uh, couple other things. So uh, we mentioned how some of the villains uh, aren't satisfied. They want to go back and fight. So tear Hunter, silver slasher. And we find out later Terrace and Titania go back to the Legion uh, go back to their previous, uh, the, the, the main universe, I guess you could say. There's some great character physicality. So when Nemesis Kid <laughs> is watching Tear, and I assume it's probably Chameleon Chief, argue there at the top of page three, and he has his hand 
his his one fist on his chin and his other hand feels like it's like drumming fingers, right? Like just sort of drumming and like just waiting, waiting. Okay, here they go. They're just going to fight. Or on page two where Tyr smashes his gun arm down and Ron Carr is kind of like flinching away. Uh, I like those little character beats there. That's mm-hmm. They're kind of fun. Yeah, I actually thought I was wondering if Nemesis Kid – at first I was thinking, well, maybe, maybe he's starting to lose control of the group, but, oh, sure. yeah, yeah. but, uh, but he quickly turns it around by basically acquiescing to tears demands, you know, rem- basically removing him from the playing board for now, you know, get, getting the child out, you know, go, go play outside buddy type situation. Right. And I thought, well, you know, this, this guy is not playing checkers here. He's playing chess. <laughs> and and tears playing checkers and so uh i i like that too i just i just nemesis kid was uh developing into something that i'd never seen before with that character here and it's it's kind of unfortunate um we don't see him much after this yeah because i mean you know think of his power his power to adapt to any situation um to confront uh, a, a, an opponent. I don't know if it necessarily works this way, but why that maybe the whole thing of sending his sending tear away is part of that power. Yeah. You know, yeah, what that would be cool. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, I remember when the, the character known as cipher in, in new mutants, uh, over at Marvel, do you know that Douglas Ramsey, you know, that character, right? Mm-hmm. So his his power was he can re he can understand any language. Uh, so you're just thinking, okay, any language? Well, that that's all vocal language. Well, suddenly it also became about computer language, and then there was a really great sequence where he could read physical language, your body language, which I was like, whoa, that's great! I love mm-hmm. that. So uh, there's no evidence that that's actually what's going on with Nemesis Kid here. But when you when you mentioned that about sending Tear away. I was like, oh, what if it was? What if it wasn't a manifestation of his power? That I, that could be cool. Well, and his power is so weird, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to, you know, the, 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 uh, the alchemy that he used to develop this, this ability to overcome any one opponent – and how that manifests over the years, you know, since he was introduced back in uh, the adventure comics. I don't remember the issues now. Um, yeah, they could could easily address uh, what you were thinking there, you know, again. But they, you know, they, it's kind of like a, a lost opportunity in a way. Yeah. Sun Emperor says something on page three about standing together or dying, you know, and that, you know, that's, I think that's part of their oath, right? They, they would, they would kill a legionnaire or die trying is what I remember. But this idea of them working together for that goal, I mean, was, you know, obviously implied because they, that's what they're doing. But, um, to have it so explicitly stated, I thought that was interesting. And again, got me thinking about that oath and how that came to be and why they are all agreeing to do this other than obviously for simplistic, the simplistic reason of revenge against the Legion. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I just, I just thought that was really interesting. I, I just, one of those little things, these little threads that I, I found throughout this issue where it felt like something they could have, they could have developed more, not necessarily in this issue, but, but throughout the whole story and they just never did for whatever reason, or maybe I'm just glomming onto things that really have, don't really have that much significance. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things I was going to sort of save this for the end of the episode, but I might as well put it here now because uh, it kind of um, speaks to what you're saying. When I read issue five, I'm going to go back and read the first four and then read five because the way I've been doing it now is just reading the next issue. And I want to see those threads. I want to see how much, if there's anything that gets lost in the translation, you know, for lack of a better phrase, uh, I think it'd be interesting to kind of go, okay, what are the questions that are leading us into five that we want to see? And one of them obviously is this whole plan thing, you know, like, uh, the passage, the great passage, the mechs, mechs character, where's, where's he falling in all of this? Um, there's a couple other things that I'm like, all right, I want to, I want to see how it plays out and, when we get to five, it'll be interesting to not only look at it as a chapter, but also look at it and say, what were the things that didn't get developed? What did they drop? What did they not drop? What it, what works? You know, so that, that, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to get there when we, when we get there. But that's mm-hmm. that's jumping the gun. <laughs> so the next scene is uh, the Legionnaires. As I mentioned before, they're just floating in space where Arando was. And it's uh, it's kind of a crowded sequence of panels on the page, but the for me, and this is just an odd thing to throw out here, Peter. But the the way that the colors are on the page with with the purples and the yellows and the green um, with the characters' costumes or their or their skin tone or whatever, I just I, I really like the way that that page color wise is constructed. And then there's. Uh, the other note I wanted to point out here, Dream Girl seems really well. Her her asserting her authority seems kind of heavy handed. <laughs> oh, you think for her for her character? You think that's well? Little... I, well, yes and no. She's very sure of herself. Yes, yes, and and that's that was the other part of my notice uh, note was that if she were a less confident character. Perhaps this would make more sense that she, you know, is just really kind of, like I said, heavy handed. I don't know. I, if I kind of would have, would expect someone with dream girls confidence, she would not need to, uh, you know, explicitly state as she says here. And with element land missing, that leaves me in command as deputy leader. Does she really think that the, the that her fellow legionnaires don't realize this or, I don't know. I maybe I'm just missing something. Well, there was that, not, it, there was that little confrontation she had with Wildfire last issue when true when but, she started to take control and he was he kind of balked at that. Right, right, right. So you know that that reaction made some sense. So so perhaps perhaps she's just still kind of reeling from that, and so she's wanting to to make sure that. You know, uh, she doesn't get that kind of reaction again. I guess I, I it just that whatever what Senboy says previous to her comment doesn't appear like she, he's he or anybody else is challenging her authority here. But she seems intent on reminding everyone 
that she is in charge. Or Paul Levitz is reminding the reader. Yeah, and that, yeah. I mean, that, really, that's what's going on here. But. Yeah, that's, that's the obvious <laughs> answer. Yeah. It's just it's just an odd character moment given given the circumstance. Yeah, because really, it seems like Brainiac Five is in charge on this page. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. We don't have the Brainiac Five that I I remember from this era. He's not quite. I mean, none of these characters are getting full spotlight because it's about the larger story and and the the larger groups as, as opposed to the individual. Um, but he's not the, the sort of brusque, uh, uh, short tempered Brainiac five that, that even was in some of the newsstand issues prior to this series. And we're certainly going to get him by the end of this Baxter run, you know, the one that's in his laboratory and doesn't want to be bothered. So, um, he, I find him very, um, um, level-headed here uh you know again this short little personality insight into him but i was like oh yeah okay this is this is brainy f5 when he's not when he's cool when he's sort of just chill you know i, I can dig <laughs> it <laughs> i kind of like that yeah he certainly is coming across these last few issues uh you know and he's he's a favorite legionnaire of mine and oh cool uh he he is very, I don't know, uh, introspective is not the right word. He's, he's very contemplative about the situation. He's, he's ponderous, I think is that the word I'm looking for. Yeah. I think like almost cautious. Yeah. Cautious too. Uh, true. But that, but I kind of expect that from him, you know, in, in my head canon of Brainiac five, that's, that's really what he is when he's not being crazy. Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> Speaking of Sunboy, when he says, you know, now wildfire's gone, this is like just another one of those little, uh, let's give a little bit of information, but not everything to the reader, because that's a direct connection to the tales of the Legion of Superheroes, issue number 317, which right. come, which came out about a week or two after this issue. So you didn't even see that in issue three of the Baxter run. Wildfire was still there. He just what happened is, is he popped out in tales of the Legion of superheroes issue three sixteen, And then you read this issue, he's gone. And then you got to go to tales three seventeen to find out exactly where he is. Very strange. And kind of like, you know, we talked a little bit about it in the letter columns and things like that, that people weren't really digging this whole, uh, book, these two titles running concurrently especially when they started to do the reprints and then they're not going concurrently. Like you know, you almost, you're almost backtracking if you just read, read the tales issues. So, um, and then the creators have to kind of play fast and loose and be a little nebulous with it all. And I'm just like, that's just so random. And now wildfire's gone, but we're not going to talk about it at all in this issue. Mm-hmm. Well, except maybe one other time, but yeah. So that's, that's weird. That's very strange. I'm very curious to, you know, if if <laughs> if ever I get back to the Tower, my Teen Titans podcast, like if I ever get back to that and I get into the whole rep- uh, newsstand versus Baxter run, you know, like uh, you don't, I'm not going to have to do that because the Baxter run takes place a year later. So you just read out the whole Tales run and then go to the Baxter run. Right. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see if anything kind of gets if there's any misstep along the way and there's too much information in one book 
for the other book that hasn't really, we haven't caught up to that story yet. But in this one, it's like, see, that's weird. We talked about it in the, in the annual. That's just weird to me. I think that's a weird bit of dialogue there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially since it's not accompanied by an editor's note, see tales number 317. Why, <laughs> why would you not cross promote and try and sell another book? Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I guess maybe perhaps they're thinking, well, if you're reading, the, if you're a Legion fan and you're reading this, you're, you're reading the other one anyway, perhaps. Right. But, but the, 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 the letter columns suggest perhaps otherwise in some cases. Yeah. Almost, almost, um, emphatically. So I, I really like these next couple pages, uh, five and six mm-hmm. because of the, of what basically what Lytle's doing on the page with, with the different angles and different camera views, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I, you know, going, going from this outside kind of angular shot to a bird's eye view to uh to a close up, you know, Avela and then pulling back out again. And then, you know, just on the, on the next page with all the faces and stuff, close ups and pull outs. I, I really dig what, what he's, what he's doing here because it, it, it while there's not a lot of, you know, uh, physical movement by the characters in this scene. He creates the illusion of it by this, the, 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 the varied panels and, and layouts that he's throwing on there. So I, I just want to compliment him on that. Yeah. And if, and if you go, if you go a page further, page seven, where the sequence wrap, uh, just sort of, uh, it takes us to, um, where there's more continuation of that. There's the, the sequentialness of it, right? Like going from one panel to the other, you could look at the whole page and kind of get what's going on. You could read the word balloons and just sort of speed through it. But I sort of took my time with it and really focused on what's happening panel to panel to panel to panel. And I, th- I think this was one of the sequences matched with something that happened with sequence that happens later where, um, I was, I was kind of like, yeah, I- I'm in it. Let's oh Yes. I can't, there's stuff happening. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. There's just, you know, there's stuff happening with Ayla. There's stuff happening with karate kid. Yes. Let's go. So yeah, I, I like this sequence too. Another little mistake though. Did you catch this mistake here with, uh, Ayla and her distorters? Um, are you referring to the color or something no. else? Okay. No, something I, else. I don't know. Um, in issue three, when Mecht confronted her <clears throat> in that scene where she kept saying no, no, and he would say something and she would say no. And then he erupts and his body is all in lightning. He picks her up, shocks her, throws her to the ground. Her distorters are gone. Oh, they, right. They disintegrated. So... It, it, it maybe it's not a mistake. Maybe they just decided to put him back on again, but I thought that was a weird, uh, this was another issue that I didn't remember much about it before I read it. But as I was reading it, I was like, Oh, right. This happened. Oh, right. That happened. Yeah. Okay. I got, it. I, I know where we're at. So I remembered this sequence, but then putting it in connection with what we read with issue three. And I, I sort of went, Oh, wait a minute. She's not supposed to have those on. They felt they burned off the last issue. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. You know, like I said, it could just be that they slapped them back on again, but they've been pretty busy. 
Yeah, and that's that's true. But that's I think that's what I would have if I'd caught that. <laughs> that's that would I that's where my brain would have went. It's like, oh yeah, they would have put him on her because she's she's still there. She still has her powers, so yeah. why not why not do that while she's unconscious? But yeah, that's a good point. That's that's a good uh, detail that I that I missed. But then, you know, like I said, the you know when I asked if it was the color, you know, because at the bottom there, the color that's shown is yellow. But that's mm-hmm. not the color we've been seeing with her these last couple issues, um, I think. Or maybe it was just last issue where we saw that. Yeah, or what we're going to see. Exactly, exactly. Because yeah. you had brought up her color, the, the color change with her, too, before. Mm-hmm. But the sound effect is a cue, is a clue. So when she smashes her distorters... Yeah. Yeah. And you get the crackoon. <laughs> and if you go back to when Lightning Lord threw his fire his lightning um with the uh, Legion of Supervillains while they were arguing, it's kind of the same. It's Karakathoom. Mm. It's not quite the same, but uh you know. So you could again, you could you could kind of just kind of say, oh, no, that's just a generic sound effect. Or you could say, well, is it? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a purposeful sound effect. Well, yeah. The, Levitz is being, Levitz and Lytle are being, you know, a bit coy about what are, has already happened here, which I, I, you know, I find interesting. But uh, that Ayla doesn't realize at this point what's different about her. I don't know. I just see that seems really weird that she's not that in tune with her own body. But, you know, it's comics, I guess. Yeah. What what I do want to point out, though, with this scene with Ayla, though, is considering her resoluteness in the previous issue when she's being threatened by her brother, mm-hmm. you know, you, you mentioned before her saying no, no, no. Here she wakes up and... You know, he, uh, she's talking about how I won't survive if he comes back. You know, if he comes back to try and convert her, he'll end up killing me. My own brother will kill me. And I, you know, and I thought that's, you know, that's a change. Um, you know, she was, she was pretty, like I said, pretty resolute, uh, in, uh, in the previous issue. But since she's been literally shocked, <laughs> uh, by her brother, um, her tune seems to be changing a little bit. And, and I did like that. I mean, that is, that's something where to me, the magnitude of what's going on is ramping up, at least for this character. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that we we've, we've really seen so far with her, especially, or really with many of the characters involved in this. It just, so far, my biggest complaint about this story, Peter, at least in terms of the Legion, the Legionnaires um, is that they don't, they all are, they're all like, yeah, they, you know, the villains are out there, they're a threat, we got to stop them, but they don't, there doesn't seem to be this, this realization on their part that things are, could be really bad here. And only Ayla has so far, I mean, we're only a few pages into this, this particular issue, but, um, she's finally starting to realize things are not how they have been in the past when dealing with these other characters. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, reasons why I, I dug it. The the as I said, the sort of tension, the build up, the danger, is very prevalent in this issue for me. And uh, I like, um, so I guess it also allows for moments of heroism and mm-hmm. 
you know, this whole sequence of Karate Kid uh, chained to this device that's he thinks is also sapping their willpower. And um, we sort of spoke to this in another episode where, and he says it here, you know, he's talking to his wife, your powers, the others, all inborn or accidents. I built mine every day of my life. No machine can take them away. And you get that close-up of his eye, and suddenly it just, um, he breaks free of the machine. So, you know, there's a couple of things here that I'm just like, ah, see, that's great. Um, uh, first of all, just the sequence. Like, we've been seeing them all last issue. They were just knocked out. So it wasn't even, it's not like we got much about Karate Kid or anything like that. Um, but then this one, you know, we get hit, we we're giving him one last moment, like blue beetle in the DC countdown, to infinite crisis special, where you give him that one great story that kind of makes it, makes you go, Oh, that's why this character could have been great. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so they're going to give, I think it's so interesting that, you know, Keith Giffen has such a boner for this character in a, in a bad way. And yet, and yet they still, him with Paul Levitz, they still give him this last hurrah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that line about the powers, you know, I, I, I dug that. I, uh, cause it, it, it does reflect back to, um, his first appearance in adventure comics, three forty six, which both of us, uh, on our own read. And, and then we realized, Oh yeah, we both read that. Uh, we can talk about that later too. Um, uh, where he says, oh, well, the first time we see him, he says, I'm karate kid. I developed my own power, great skill in all forms of fighting, especially karate and karate and judo. And, mm-hmm. and he says the same thing here, you know, more or less, I built mine every day of my life. So uh, I like that little bit of connection, a little bit of throwback and duality. So, um, good sequence. The, 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 the whole book, I think the, I can't believe you don't like it as much as I do. <laughs> I don't know. You, you keep talking. You're, you're, you're starting to convince me. Okay. I'm going to win you over. All right. I'll win you over, buddy. <laughs> Cause these next sequences are so damn good. Oh, I can't wait. Um, that's pretty much what I had for that. What else did you have for that sequence? Anything? Let's see here. Um, well, okay. So, so Ayla says, if I let you loose, Karate Kid, the whole villain, the Legion of Supervillains will come run. I like how it – I'm sorry. This is an aside. But the whole LSV, I, I doubt I doubt they would say – the character would say LSV. I don't know. Maybe. But, you know, just you know, comic book shorthand to, to put all these words in the bubble. But Yeah. Uh, the, the, who's, who's the letter? Uh, Costanza. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm not writing that out every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> will come running that machine must have an alarm uh and then the others wouldn't look like they would help so you know she makes this big deal about you know if we if we try to if i try to help you escape or we we disconnect you guys from these machines you know we'll just get captured again and within a page karate kid just doesn't give a damn (laughs) and breaks free I mean, and but like you said, I mean, it's a it's a very it's a very dramatic moment, uh, and you know, it's a really cool sequence. But it's just like, you know, Ayla's probably right. Why would you? 
why would you do that? Except, you know, they, they got to do something, right? He, he can't, he can't just sit there and, and, uh, see his, his wife's planet be, uh, treated this way and, and for them to possibly be murdered. Right. Yeah. I just thought that was a, such a, such a, a dichotomy of difference between the two characters in, in terms of, of how to deal with the situation. Yeah, and I, I mean, it certainly speaks to Lightlast the way they, once she got those powers of, of being able to turn things light or, or, or you know, lightweight, um, she almost was like a shrinking Violet character, you know, where she was, it was a little more on the shy side or, or on the, uh, just the quieter side, I guess. I think the one mm-hmm. that comes, I think the one that comes across poorly in this book for this issue is, uh, is, um, Jackie, uh, queen projector. I think she, yes, I think she comes across a little weaker than I, I would want her to be. And even here, you know, like on this page, it's okay. You know, she's strapped to the machine. Uh, the machine is, you know, sucking the life out of them. So I get that part. But when we get to her later, I'm kind of like, mm, well, that's a little shameful, but yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, now that you mention it, she does, she does prod, karate kid on you mm-hmm. know, please don't give up save my world i mean if i reval how could how could i refuse that right my right, my right. wife saying say save us save our world yeah and not only a, just a wife but newlyweds you know bar- barely barely in a marriage right. barely in a right husband and wife yeah all right this next sequence so good come on so they get you get the Legion of Supervillains that are leaving Orando to go fight the Legion of Superheroes, and who has stowed away but but Ayla Lightlass, and we finally, after all this teasing and whether you know it was subtle or whether it hit you over the head, finally get the reveal that she has lost her Lightlass powers, and she is Lightning Lass once more. Mm-hmm. So good. I, there's a couple big big notes that I have on this sequence. Um, so one of one of them is about Terrace. He's an odd duck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This you know the <laughs> scarecrow s character that has something to do with control of Earth, but it might be a mechanical power more than an inborn power. So this is the this is my note I wrote about him. Okay, so this whole storyline is his first appearance. He's totally new as a character and to the readers. And I'm trying to pinpoint his role and his personality. Both of them very weird. Um, and I almost feel like he's he's constantly pushing the buttons of his teammates. And if it wasn't for the fact that he already tried to attack the Legion of Superheroes several times. Mm-hmm. I walked away from this scene here and thought he feels like he's almost a plant or like a mole. Yes. Like he's a, a legionnaire spy of some kind. Like under that mask, I was like, who really is this? And like, did he just throw himself in the, you know, and I know that's not ever the case, but right. He comes across just weird in this sequence. Yeah. I, 
That's funny, Peter, because I had the same exact thought. Right? Is yeah because of this sequence. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why? Why do you think that was? Why did you write that down too? Do you think? It, it, mostly, it was it was his comment to Silver Slasher. Curious, Silver Slasher, is it not? Is he just seems like he was kind of poking them a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, prodding them for answers, but also just I don't know. Be, well, he also says, "Why not, Titania?" He just keeps trying to. Uh, not qu- not quite get under their skin, but that, but he seems to he obviously is doing that, but he he seems to be probing, um, uh, and then his reaction at the very end of 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 uh, the sequence with Titania is like, you know, he's like oh, very well, my dear, you know, just kind of it just and and it's just that you know he, the way he's talking, the the words he's using just doesn't jibe with <laughs> with uh, I don't know his look his his um uh his actions that we've seen before mm-hmm. it just he it just it doesn't doesn't quite gel for me this doesn't it's either either not a character that levitz himself had a handle on or changed midway through or you know what we were what we're contemplating here is that he's not what he appears to be Right. And then the other notion I had just now is maybe he was vying to take leadership of the Legion of Supervillains. Like, maybe that's why he's so inquisitive. Mm. He's trying to learn about everybody. That could but, be. Yeah. So weird. He's just such a weird, interesting character. I wish I wish we would have seen more of him, but uh, that's not the case. So that's when we find out that she's on the ship. And she decides to sabotage it by pulling some wires. And we do see some pink lightning. And then she's just standing there. And they're like, oh, look, it's Lightlass. We can defeat her. She's just Lightlass. And then she's like, oh, yeah, maybe, but I'm ready for you, too. Uh, and by the way, the name is Lightning Lass. Krakakathoom. <laughs> Which is also the same sound effect that we saw earlier from Lightning Lord. Right, right. It's curious. I mean, that's a great dramatic moment, especially on the page turn as it occurs in this book. Um, But it's (laughs) given. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna gonna nitpick this a little bit, Peter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Given that only a few pages earlier, she's perplexed at what happened with those uh, those mittens that she had on, whatever those things were. and then she stows away on the ship and and the sequence seems to be like, you know, things are happening pretty quickly here. So the realization that she now has lightning powers, given what only what we see on the page, it seems like a big leap for her. Right. Thinking because she says to Karate Kid, you know, I have light powers. What is that going to? Yeah. And then she goes, maybe it took this. Maybe she felt something when she. She pulls the all the circuitry, and she mm-hmm. and I and I think that's true. I think that's what we're supposed to get out of it. It's just yeah. that it, you know, she comes to that conclusion very quickly. Um, I, I just from from a storytelling standpoint, I would have liked to have a little bit more of a for her a little bit more of a realization of right. what's going right. on instead of just this big pronouncement. Well, let me take it a little step further, and and so you're you're looking at it from a writer angle. Can I, I'm going to take it from an editor angle. So the pacing between the page turn of 10 and 11. So she says at the bottom of page 10, maybe, but I'm ready for you too. And then you turn the page and she says, and by the way, the name is Lightning Lass. 
I feel like they should have taken and by the way and put that at the bottom of page 10. <laughs> yeah. So it would read maybe, but I'm ready for you too. And by the way, page turn, yeah. the name is lightning last. Like there's too much in that word balloon there for the flow of it. Like when I read that, I was like, Oh no, it should just be the name. Not, not all that other, not the, at least not the mm-hmm. first. Part. So yeah, I put my little editor hat in, in uh, and of course it's all in hindsight. DC's not going to send me the check, but you know. <laughs> oh, and and to add add fuel to my argument here, you know the, the the following panels below that big reveal is her her going. It really worked. <laughs> <laughs> it must, you know, and then then we get the explanation, um, uh, or her contemplation about why she has her lightning powers back. But it's just, you know, it seems like. Well, shouldn't you have had that conversation with yourself before you decided to confront them? <laughs> anyway, I get really picky sometimes with it, with these storytelling beats. That's the writer in you. That's the writer. That. Yeah. 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 I really like though, uh, that scene where the, where the, where she shocks the villains, you know, she, you know, quote unquote, short circuits, the, the panel <laughs> that, that looks like a Giffen inspired or con- or perhaps partially constructed panel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and as well i'm now I'm, now I'm going back pre- another previous page but that where that that first page of that sequence where that where their their jump ship um is is blasting off from the planet and you get those circlets yeah yeah exactly of of, of them you know the, the thrust of the 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 vehicle that that whole page looks really cool yeah, but that feels Giffen to me too. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's, he likes to play around with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I did like uh, you know you mentioned what she says there when she realizes she got her powers back, and she says, uh, uh, "I've got my original powers back." Um, and just the way she kind of talks about her powers, this might be a retcon, but it kind of speaks to um that she never felt comfortable with them mm-hmm. if that, that she almost felt inadequate so i think it's interesting that she is embracing her powers but it, i also feel like oh is it any wonder her and and shrinking violet are going to get together because they both kind of go through this transformative thing that, oh yeah so I think it it kind of made sense now, you know, like when you look, I'm I'm very curious to see her and we're going to get a, a lightning last solo story after this uh, saga. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how those two characters connect um, and, and how their personalities, how, especially how light lightning last, how her personality is after this, of this sequence, after this uh, first five issues. Cause now I'm sort of looking at it as, looking at it in a very different way. Cause I, I forgot, or maybe I just never put the importance for her getting her powers back and, and how that can be, you know, it's almost like she's, even though they were given to her by accident, it's like, she's no longer blind again, or she can hear again or so whatever, you know what I mean? She's got, mm-hmm. they're more familiar to her. Yeah. I, I totally see that as a retcon of, of, of her personality though. Cause I, I was, mm-hmm. as you were talking, I was thinking back on the, the stories before this where she appeared and I didn't, I don't recall, I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong, but uh, I don't recall 
her being so um, uh, self-punishing about her ability. Right, right. Until now. Okay. And, uh, so oh, uh, on this, uh, so this is, one, again, one of those things where I'm like, this, this isn't working for me. Uh, one of the points that doesn't work for me, you know, we get this sequence of her stowing away on the ship in the hopes of escaping or somehow contacting her, the other legionnaires. And, and it doesn't matter because once she disables the, the villains there, um, she can't make sense of the controls. Although she knows that she somehow knows that there's no autopilot set for their universe uh, but she knows that there's one for the limbo where Orando has been transported. So she, she goes back. It's like, what was the point of this then? <laughs> but you know, it also works in, in the sense of, um, you know, she's, she's floundering. She gets her powers back and then she has a, cer- a certain set of, sense of purpose. So I, you know, it, it works on two different levels, but they seem at cross purposes to me. Yeah, I, I had a little confusion about it, too, because I was like, wait, are they? No, they're still in limbo, but yet they could almost destroy the Legion from limbo. They were they were about ready to go to the main dimension. She maybe maybe because she messed up the controls. I don't know. And, you know she, and that's the other thing. She messed up the controls. So, uh, by, yeah, I, I was a little confused by all that, too. And then I just I, I, I couldn't think enough about it or I couldn't think of anything that would mm, get mm-hmm. it, you know, any kind of no prize or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, mm, yeah, uh, I'll let that go. So then we have this this quick scene uh, back on Earth, and so I, that's that's what the thing I mentioned earlier with uh, with Rock being uh, or Cosmic Boy, Peter. I'm never I'm never sure if I should refer to them by their names or their their real names or their superhero names as we're talking. <laughs> I know what it is. We'll just have to yeah. we'll just have to train train the listeners. Yeah. You gotta you gotta learn everything. So he's he's on Earth, and this is where we find that he's he's gathered the subs, the reservists, and the academy members to help out with anything. Um, the only thing I, there only, only a couple things that I, I, po- I want to point out about this is polar boy seems really anxious to, to go out and fight. <laughs> and that seems like a weird character beat for him. Uh, you know, magnetic kid, you know, agrees with him, you know, yelling, yeah, let's do this. And I could kind of get that because he's the younger brother, you know, trying to prove himself that, that totally makes sense to me from that standpoint. Uh, you know, and Rocky even says, hmm, anxious, aren't they? Was I like that once? <laughs> Are you and reading the Tales issues in between? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I was going to say that, you know, we, we have the, uh, have these same characters in issue 317. Uh, and I was just going to mention the continuity error here because, or p- potential continuity error, because we have Night Girl... That's Night Girl, right? Mm-hmm. Standing on the right side there, mm-hmm. and she looks like she has a bit of a uh, costume change here that is not reflected in issue three seventeen, or in three sixteen. Oh, is it three sixteen? The one before this issue, right? Okay, yeah, because there's a, a brief sequence with Cosmic Boy in three seventeen, but that's that's after this issue. So you're you're talking about the one before. I came okay. in the tales issue that came in between issues three and four was three sixteen. Yeah, she was mm-hmm. in more of like a a full bodied cat suit 
and now she's in a costume that you know doesn't have sleeves and all that other stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well, well and i think like, i think in 317 they 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 show her too and she's back to that that her her more normal full body black outfit am i wrong yeah am, looking, am i really confusing yeah i'm looking at it now and they, they, it's uh 317 is when Cosmic Boy talks to Bouncing Boy and Duo Damsel. Oh, you're right. I yeah. am. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll have to pay attention and see if she's, how she's dressed after this issue. Right. But what I did, what I was going to say, though, about issue Tales of uh, Tales 316, which came out before this issue, does have a sequence with Cosmic Boy, Polar Boy, Stone Boy, and Night Girl. And Polar Boy sort of has that same kind of aggressive attitude, almost to the point where it's almost like he's yelling at Stone Boy at one point, like almost saying, don't, don't, we, we got a real legionnaire here. Don't mess it up for, you know, stop acting goofy, you know, right. stop, stop being weird because he's, but, you know, he always, I think he always has the aspiration to be, if not a legionnaire, he has the aspirations to make the subs be. Uh, a viable companion group Mm -hmm. and and uh when when they're not he feels the most (laughs) shame for it (laughs) yeah yeah but but that characterization seemed more in line with with the polar boy that i'm familiar with um than perhaps what i'm seeing in this one tiny panel (laughs) with one one bit of dialogue I like that they did this, though. I like that they group it. Anytime they pull in all the other facets of the Legion history and, and you get some Academy members in there, like Laurel Kent and mm-hmm. uh, Comic Queen and Polar uh, Power Boy. Like, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'm like, give me more. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are always some of my favorite issues whenever they spotlighted the, the Academy members. Um. So we, the, the Legionnaires after Karate Kid got himself out of the machine, they all escaped and they're all flying away. They're going to try to save a rando, something dealing with the power spheres and, um, Karate Kid notices, he, Karate Kid notices something down below, notices someone, he doesn't have his flight ring cause, uh, Nemesis Kid stole it at the end of issue two. So he he drops down and confronts Nemesis Kid, and uh, this is where we're going to get the beginning of this battle. So we're talking about pages 13 and 14, and I guess I don't have anything about 13 either. That's, uh, yeah, there was nothing that sort of stuck out there, but... Page fourteen, however, what do you what do you got for that? Where they finally meet face to face, Nemesis Kid and Karate Kid. Do you have anything there, or you, or not until the actual fight? Yeah, not really. Um, the 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 one thing I was I focused on here is he's uh, Nemesis Kid says, "Who else would have picked Orando for vengeance on you?" And and that's what got me thinking about well or think about their history together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, they reference that, uh, specifically, I think later, a little bit later, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not here. No, no. I knew it would come to this ever since the day we both joined the Legion karate kid. And so that got me thinking about, cause I, I couldn't remember what, what, what it was between them. 
And, and, uh, so that's when I went back and, and, uh, uh, leafed through those adventure comics issues that, uh, where he first appeared, Nemesis Kid first appeared and Karate Kid and others as well. And Princess Projectra and, and Pharaoh. Pharaoh Loud, yeah, right. Yeah. So I don't know, do you want to, do you want to talk about that now or should we wait until a little bit later? Yeah, we can talk a little bit about it now. We're not going to go. Uh, I don't think we need to go through the whole issue. But oh no, yeah. But I because I had the same thing. Now I waited. I've read the letter column, and in the letter column of this issue, they said, uh, "How do they word it here?" Mister Paul Levitt says um, he was a longtime favorite character of Paul Paul Levitt's. Um, We'd like to think uh, his battle against Nemesis Kid was foreshadowed from the day they both joined the Legion in Adventure Comics 346. And then they do say, in consequence, this story is affectionately dedicated to, to Jim Shooter, who scripted that character, I mean, who scripted that story, creating not only the two of them, but Princess Projectra and Pharaoh Lad at the same time. So when I read that, I was like, oh. Well, let me be the judge of that. <laughs> so then I went back and read 346. Come to find out, you have to read 346 and 347. Uh, yeah. The two-parter. <laughs> um, and uh, real quick, you know, it's it's 346 is the first Jim Shooter Legion story ever. He, he did a blind uh, um, submission like he, he he basically created a comic and sent it in he was 14 years old mort weisinger the editor didn't even know he was like oh hey you got to come to new york we're gonna buy some more stories from you and, and then he it, jim shooter's like hmm, um and then he's like how old are you and, and he says 14 and he's like let me talk to your mother um <laughs> and then they had to wait till school was over and then they they went out to new york in the summer um, but yeah, he totally would, he would do what Keith Giffen did. He would thumbnail the book, the story. And then, um, for 346, it's probably widely known that Shelley Moldoff finished it, um, or either looked at the thumbnails and, and kind of did his, uh, his own thing with it. Kind of similar to what Steve Lytle probably did with Keith Giffen. Um, but that's how Jim Shooter used to write the story. He used to do layouts. So 346 is Jim Shooter layouts with um, uh, Shelley Moldoff either embellishing or finishing or just kind of, you know, looking at. And 347, I think, was Kurt Swan. Uh, so not only is it Karate Kid, Nemesis Kid, Princess Projector, and Feral Lab, but you also get the first appearance of the Kuns, who I love. They have the, the pink warrior race. I love those guys. And the, mm-hmm. they're kind of like the Klingons of yeah. the Legion universe. I was just going to say that too. Yeah. Um, so then when I read that, um, the way the story is, it's a typical Legion story where they're, where they're trying to save something. They split up and then they start accusing each a person of another Legionnaire for no reason whatsoever. And they accuse Karate Kid of sort of sabotaging Earth's defenses because the Kuns are going to attack. And then it turns out that it wasn't Karate Kid. The traitor in the midst was Nemesis Kid. And I love when he's like, uh, oh, I thought you were talking to me. That's why I outed myself because you said it. But you, because you said Kid, but you meant Karate Kid. And I thought you said we're meaning Nemesis Kid. I was like, oh, God. 
Um, they're so they're so whimsical and charmy back then. It's something a fourteen year old would come up with. Exactly. <laughs> and there there was a little bit of confrontation there where it wasn't necessarily aimed at Karate Kid um, when Nemesis Kid actually kind of condemns the group. You know, but then he vanishes because he he just says, I'll get you for this. But he's not really talking to anybody uh, once they figure out the plan. But then at the end, he's like, I I can develop the superpowers needed to defeat anybody. I never tried it on more than one foe, but I'm ready to make a stab at it now. And then he just vanishes. And he disappears. But uh, there's no real sort of major confrontation between Karate Kid and Nemesis Kid. But. I guess just because of the uh, the name thing, I guess that was enough to kind of say Paul Levitt's probably mind it and go, "Oh, look, this I could probably do something with this." Yeah, it's it's, it's based on that original confrontation and what we get now. It's it seems really kind of flimsy that connection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it has more just to do with. Uh, if we take it from the Legion aspect where they were blaming Karate Kid, but then it turns out to be Nemesis Kid, I guess you could maybe make the connection that way. Um, but it's still not as grounded as as uh, the story made it out to seem. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't know. Maybe there were some other appearances. I That's one thing I forgot to check on. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they they did have some some more, some other confrontations with each other, but I'm just based on my really flimsy memory, I don't recall any. I think the the strongest thing for me in in this page and in the fight sequence that's coming up um, is if we go back to again page one, issue one of the Baxter Run, the very first caption, one of the first captions. Uh, uh, technology develops, worlds themselves evolve, yet psyches remain much the same as do passions, families, friends, lovers, and lunatics, and let not be forgotten villains, all can be tempted by the sweet taste of vengeance. And that speaks a lot of, I think, what's going here. Like, uh, you know, Nemesis Kid there on page 14, remember that as you die, you are a man only one. Uh, only a man, one man for all your training and that your death will open my reign. I knew it would come to this. Like you said, that one thing where he's like, I knew it would come to this. Um, it kind of makes him weak. You know, nemesis kid is just a punk. And, and I, I got that from the adventure comics issue. When you first see him, he's like, he's, he's, he picks opportunities to make himself, uh, a nemesis, if you want to use his name, but mm-hmm. they're not, they're not really weighted, right? They're just, what's his motivation? What's his motivation in adventure comics? You know, what's his motivation here just to get back at karate kid. He's like, he what a sad little man. And I, and I, I brought back to the, <laughs> to issue one where, where Paul Levitz is, you know, kind of condemning that aspect about people and also saying it that, not only is it from the villain side, but it is also from the hero sides too. Because you know, what does Val do? He does jump down to confront Nemesis Kid. So in a way, he says, "I have a personal score to settle first. Like 
he's tempted too by that whole vengeance thing. I, um, maybe not as evilly, evilly as, as Nemesis did, but, uh, I, I thought it was interesting that they let him go. The Legionnaires just kind of let him go. I, I, I don't know. I think I, if I was a Legionnaire, I'd be like, mm, I don't know if we should let him go do that. You know, something could happen. Mm. So I but, like that little buildup. But at least Karate Kid has a bit more obvious motivation. You know, sure. He's been kidnapped. His wife is kidnapped. They've both been threatened. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, the villains are threatening to kill them. They steal the planet, you know. So there, he has he has motivation to at least stop Nemesis Kid. Yeah, uh, I don't, you know, I don't get the sense he's he's out to kill him. You know, him being a legionnaire and all, but uh, and and also, you know, a good guy. <laughs> right. Well, but at, but, least, at least not initially. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But but again, back to Nemesis Kid, you know, uh, where he says that your death will open my reign over Orando. Then what the hell? Why did you wait? You had you had him captured, incapacitated. He Nemesis Kid could have killed all of those all of those legionnaires at any moment. And that's you know I, again I keep coming back to this oath thing and and what the plan was and why the motivation. What what's why are they doing what they're doing? When they're not doing what they stated their their goal was. Well, that's why I don't think they. I don't think that's why I don't think the goal was anything more than rubbing it in Karate Kid's face. <laughs> I, I do. Like I, I'm very curious to read the next issue now after this whole thing because I'm like, wow, wow, he's a punk. He's just so, a punk. So you think you think him him saying you know your death to Karate Kid that's just bravado on his part. Oh, I think he means it. I don't know if that's what you're asking. I mean, I do think he means it. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, I, maybe it's try, Maybe he's trying to take the humiliation so far. Not only is it about stealing the planet, keeping, keeping him captured, but putting that planet in a whole other universe and then using that planet to take over that, that universe. Like It's like just adding more and more and heaping more humiliation on top of it. And, you, you know, every great villain wants their hero to live through all that so that, that can, they can break them, you know? Mm. Um, Cause even in the fight, you know, like uh, let's, let's skip over that one page, that one little confrontation between the other legionnaires for a second. Um, let's just go to, let's just go to it. Okay. Cause we're, we're in that conversation now. Like we're in this fight. Like even in that fight, he, I feel like he's toying with them. Yeah. I, I have to say, I do think this fight is very brutal. Uh, I was surprised when I read it. I remembered it. As soon as I started reading, I remembered it. And I, and then I, but I was also surprised. I was like, whoa, this is one of those moments where I was like, okay, now this book, this book suddenly got serious here. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and this is probably what, this is the, the, the reason why I remember this particular issue as much as I do is the, the brutality of this fight. The physicality shown on the page is, is just, uh, it was it was very different from anything I'd read at that time. Well, it was very different from the fights we saw in issue three, like those big splash page fights. You know, like they nobody was nobody was there was no blood, there was no they weren't like okay. So juxtapose it to the scene there on page eighteen where the Legion of Supervillains and the Legion of Superheroes are fighting. I mean, they're 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 fighting. 
but I don't necessarily get the evil behind it necessarily. Um, you know, there's some things that happen. Ultra Boy gets zapped. Um, uh, they're beating up on Chameleon Kid, Chameleon Boy. I, I always forget what his, uh, if he's a boy, kid, last lad. <laughs> um, uh, but it doesn't feel the same as the Nemesis Kid and Karate Kid fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very tame in comparison, really. Yeah, yeah. And and speaking of, you, you mentioned blood. Speaking of the blood, that's one of the things that uh, in the Legion Companion book uh, was talked about. Um, so apparently... Uh, it was felt that the red blood in the issue accentuated the, the you know, like the kind of like the grittiness of the fight, you know, like, a, mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a street level beat down type of thing. And mm-hmm. Paul Levitz left clear instructions uh, to keep the blood red during production because it, he was afraid that, the you know, someone down the line, down the production line would change it. <laughs> <laughs> they said, uh, this is a quote, make sure this state, well, this is, this is, this is Lytle saying this about what Levis said, make sure this stays gory. This should be a dramatic scene. Hmm. So I'm wondering if you were reading this month to month to month, which I was not at the time. Cause, um, I only got into the Baxter run, even though I was reading the newsstand by the time my subscription for the Baxter run started, it was like issues 13 or something like that. So I had to go back and get these in back issue. I wonder if, as we were saying before, all those other confrontations seem kind of light and tame, and then you get to this. I wondered what it felt like. And we could read some letters, you know, from people who wrote in about this issue, but uh, I have to imagine it was a marked difference. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like on page 20... Um, so, you know, uh, well, on page 19, the karate kid is sort of down and out. And this is where, this is the sequence where, uh, Jackie fight fights nemesis or confronts nemesis kid and nemesis kid is just puts the beat down on her. And I don't know her character prior to this story because when I was reading Legion, she was often married and she was not a legionnaire. So I don't know how powerful she was. I don't, I don't know if she was a fighter. Did she rely on her illusions, but she, she doesn't last long in this battle. And no, and I know it's all just so that karate kid can get up and save the day. But I was kind of like, Ooh, ouch, that's, that's rough. Yeah. There's, there's a point. So there's like three pages where nemesis or three panels where nemesis kid is confronting, uh, confronting Jackie and you get this, they're very much in the background and you don't really see much, you know, he's obviously punching her, but you don't really get to see like the visceralness of, of, of it. Mm-hmm. The next panel, he's clearly, it's closer, you know, cause, cause Val's coming, coming up, uh, walking towards them. Um, so you're following him, but, uh, the top half of, of the bodies are cut off. So you're not, again, not seeing the brutality of, of what nemesis kid is doing to karate kid's wife. And then the bottom panel, you you see him slapping um, Jackie. Finally, you see something, but it's it, it was interesting that it was constructed this way, given the fact that you know that uh, his wife being beaten is the the motivation for him to get up and confront Nemesis Kid again. Yeah. I just thought that was a weird a weird t- 
tonal shift because I would normally expect, and maybe that's the reason they did it this way, because you would normally expect to see the uh, the beatdown more pointedly, I guess, to then motivate the hero to to get up and do something about it. Mm. But but again, you don't need to you you don't really need that. So you know, I, I guess I'm being nitpicky here, but and trying to make the story conform to my own sense of of uh, dramatic raison d'être. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and we're and we're looking at a story that was you know 30 years old. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, you know, violence, the violence against a woman might, might have something to say about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what I do like about it. So you said, you know, Legionnaire doesn't kill, which is very true, but on top of page 20. Yes. Those, let's talk about this. Yeah. So karate kid comes in. He's, he says, get off my wife, wife. He has nemesis kid in a chokehold and we get one panel of karate kid. You barely see his face. You just see kind of an eye kind of his teeth that they're gritted and you see for the first time what i'm I'm assuming is fear yes in nemesis kid's face and it's like he sees it's like he sees his death i i in those two panels i went okay he wants to kill him there Mm -hmm. like yeah i i think clearly we're supposed to get that impression strongly so yeah, and I I liked I love the shadow on Karate Kid's face, mm-hmm. and and the way his hair falls into his eye makes it almost seem animalistic in a way, and and it's these two little panels all on the just on the top of the corner, and I was like, whoa, and and this this two panel sequence, I think we see uh, a, a a reflection or duplication of it uh, an homage perhaps um but this this comes into play later in and i think in the next issue oh okay i thought you were going to say the next page because if you look at page 22 where jackie looks at him it's almost a reverse of it oh yeah i know you're right yes yeah where she's looking at him and begging him to you know uh it is it is very much a mirror image wow yeah yeah <laughs> So for people who who don't have the issue, we're we're just basically they're just fighting. They're fighting for pages and pages and pages. Yeah, yeah. And the the page twenty one, where Nemesis Kid has Karate Kid's ring on his finger and has him up against a wall and just punches him one, two, three, four times. Um, there's a great effect where you you the reader are kind of like Karate Kid and you just see kind of stars as as he's yes, punched. I love that sequence. Yeah. Those, 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 especially those three panels at the top of that page. Mm-hmm. That is, that was so cool. You know, despite this beatdown, Karate Kid still has something in him that allows him to to get back up and fight back, and he does so uh, uh, and briefly incapacitates Nemesis Kid to the point. I think, oh, or maybe he he happened to grab the right hand, but he he ends up with the his his legion flight flight ring in his hand but what what's curious about this is that that particular panel on page 22 is uh the combination of what he's saying you know uh cuz cuz Jackie says take the ring get away from him and Val says away run away and he's he's looking at the ring which oddly 
enough seems to be glowing, at least by the way the coloring is. It, it It's a weird kind of light situation in, in this panel. But what it does is it accentuates via shadow and, and, and shading of color the fact that Karate Kid's face is just mushed up. Mm-hmm. You know, he's swollen. Um, actually even looks like maybe he's perhaps lost some teeth from the beatdown. I don't know. It's not explicit, but I mean, they're being very coy about the damage done to, uh, you know, how, how badly, uh, karate kid has been beaten by nemesis kid. And then but you he, get that, that, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, he says it though. He says too late, too late, Jackie. It's too late. Yeah. For, it's almost like, you know, I sort of, I, if, if he is someone who has built himself up, he is probably so aware of his body that he knows he knows he's going to die. Yeah. But, you know, again, nitpicky me, you know, he, he's, he's talking cause he's, he's, uh, you know, he's so tired. He might even have been uh, dazed to some degree, you know, cause, cause mm-hmm. he's, 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 he's talking hesitantly. But then as soon as he makes this decision to do what he does next, suddenly his speech pattern is more normal, I guess, like, like he's had time to rest or something. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird uh, transition or, or lack of a transition to me, at least verbally here. But he does make the decision to not finish off Nemesis Kid because it appears like he could have done so, maybe. And he did have the upper hand for a moment. And he does blast off with his ring flying up and smacks Nemesis Kid one last time. <laughs> <laughs> but then he makes a decision to fly up towards one of the power spheres. And on this on this scene or this page particular, Peter, the stuff he says to his wife as he's doing this. I had a real problem with this. Why so? Well, it's just it's just so offhand. It's so you know, if they'd been dating for a few weeks and he'd said something like this to her, I can maybe understand, but they've had a long standing relationship. They just got married, and yet, you know, he makes this decision this decision for whatever reason. I'm not entirely sure why he thinks this is even gonna do anything or why this would work or what he's even trying to accomplish. Um, but he's, you know, he says, goodbye, lover. It's been fun. Uh, and I always, I always did want to go in battle, although that's not really how he goes. You get to keep your planet kid. Don't forget me. (laughs) I, I just, man, I, I really reacted negative, negatively to what he's saying to Jackie. That, that is just kind of like, eh, whatever, dude, you're on your own now. I know See, I what, what, yeah. What do you think about this? I, again, I don't know enough about Karate Kid's character, the way he's written prior to him getting married. I mean, this is really the, the most lead karate. This is the most Karate Kid paid story that I've ever read, you know? So I don't know if he's, you know, sort of more aloof or whatever. Um, I think he's going in battle. I think the, the, you know, like they did, you have to connect that scene, him wanting to, destroy the power sphere touches back to that scene where they first were escaping the, 
the castle and they're looking up and they're going, all right, I think we, you know, I think they use the, the spheres to teleport. Maybe they, maybe there's a weak point and they all start to fly up. And that's when he decides to go down and fight nemesis kids. So at least structurally story point wise, it might be in his head that the spheres do have something to uh, have a little bit more to do with the Orando being where it's at. So that I can, I can, I can see the connection there. It feels maybe it's maybe it's Paul Levitt's uh, trying to give him the John Wayne kind of swagger off into the sunset kind of thing, you know. Um, I I don't know if it speaks to I don't know if it speaks to his character or not. So I can certainly see why it would feel jarring. Um, I, it reminded me of. Uh, when Bendis took out Hawkeye in Avengers 500 and he, and he's got a, I think uh, he's rocketing off into what, like a scroll ship or something. And he's like, no, I, I don't want to go this way, not this way. And he blows up into a ship. Um, but this is sort of like the opposite where he's like, no, this is, this is the way I wanted to go out. So I thought that was kind of funny that it made me think of that. Um, I think the, the sphere, the explosion, if I th- thought of it like a movie, like I could see it being a real sort of high point, like um, battle, 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 and then just flying up and poof, like what a way to like, it, it's pretty gruesome, you know, that we see him lying there all burnt up and all that kind of stuff. Like, uh, and again, I don't know what issue five, how issue five plays out. I don't remember, but um um, I dug it. I, I, I felt like, you know, I think if we would have saw him kill Nemesis kid while we might've understood it, it, it's not the Legion thing to do, you know, mm-hmm. but what is the Legion thing to do? Self-sacrifice I me. Mean, Pharaoh lad did it, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I get, I guess, I don't know. I, I always hate it when, when people try to rewrite something that's already been done, but, and I find myself doing it a lot anyway, but I just, two things about this. Again, I'll I'll harp on this. I just, I didn't buy the way that he talked to his wife or I guess more appropriately, I just really didn't like it. I thought it kind of demeaned their relationship to some point. And, and I, that probably says more about, more about me and how I view things than, than perhaps the, as you, as you more accurately point out, you know, what, what is this character? How has this character been portrayed? I don't recall him being this flippant mm-hmm. about his relationship with his, with, with this, with, with Jackie, uh, which, so that, you know, that's, that's where I'm coming from, uh, about it. But if they had played up, I guess more of the, I'm, I'm dying. I, I am on my last, you know, my, I'm having my last breaths. So instead of, and I, and I, I certainly wasn't advocating, uh, for, for Val to kill Nemesis kid here. Um, but, but if, you know, if he, like you, I think he realizes he, you know, he only has limited time left Mm -hmm. and instead of trying to take out Nemesis kid or consoling his wife one last time, um, he's going to do the heroic thing and sacrifice himself. Uh, I just kind of wish they'd play that up a little bit more, I guess. Yeah. Um, just, just, uh, I don't know that this, this scene in particular is why I said at the beginning that I had some problems with this issue. It's just tonally just is wrong to me. The, the, the dialogue that he, he throws out there. 
Well, we'll and put then, it to, I was gonna say we'll put it to the listeners. We'll see what they. Yeah, yeah. See what I, they. I'd think. be very curious. Yeah. yeah. Now, you had mentioned earlier how you felt uh, Princess Projectora was portrayed, especially towards the end here. Mm-hmm. So what what is it about the the way she's portrayed here that that you were reacting to? It was it was the page where she's confronting Nemesis Kid and she has her illusions and and he's able to see right through him. Like I uh, I don't know. I think I said before, like, is she a fighter? Like, uh, is she so reliant on her illusions that he, he can get one punch off of her and she can't, she can't fight back at all. Like that, that to me made me go, Oh, you know, yeah, sure. She, she just came out of being imprisoned longer than the other legionnaires. Um, so she could be weaker. She's obviously not a fighter like karate kid is, but, um, when Nemesis Kid was putting the beat down on her, I was like, uh, um, does she not fight at all? Like she mm-hmm. doesn't she didn't get one lick in there? Okay, I guess. And, <laughs> but maybe it's again, maybe it's because she's weak. Maybe yeah. it's she's so reliant on the um the the illusions and you know, or that's just what they wanted to tell because they wanted to make it a little more dramatic for for karate kid. So I thought the the little sacrifice of showing the true legionnaire in her if there is one but that's the thing i don't know i don't know how skilled she actually is yeah 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 and then you get you know val goes in the power sphere blows up and you notice that the this is an aside but uh the sound effect is kathoom mm-hmm. and what was the it just occurred to me as i was looking at this what was oh, the crackathoom crackathoom yeah so it's <laughs> Similar, but, um, which I guess makes sense. It's power sphere, electric power, whatever. But, um, you know, he says, don't forget me and, you know, boom. And then you hear, you hear Jackie wailing Val. I know that just seemed like a weird, a weird punctuation to that particular panel that, that, that the ending of that scene Mm. with her. I mean, it totally makes sense that she would be crying out or something, but she did that on the previous page calling out to Val. Uh, I don't know. Again, it's just, well, she's this, in grief. She's allowed a couple more. Of I know. I, I know. She's losing I'm being too harsh. Head. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I just, I just I man, this be in that position where, you know, I sort of think about like, you know, we live in a, a technology age where people record some crazy stuff that happens. Like I remember seeing a video of a family walking across this river that was really shallow and then all of a sudden the water picked up and swept them all the way over a waterfall, like five people just right over a waterfall. Oh my God. And I was, yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, and I'm like, and they screamed, people screamed while it was happening. You know, like all you can do is scream. Uh, you know? Yeah. So I'll forgive her for, for, you know, another scream. All there right, the fine. <laughs> you convinced me. Yeah. It's tragic. <laughs> Tragedy. And then, uh, so then we have the, uh, this epilogue and this, again, we have, I think was it last issue or was it issue two where we had this weird epilogue where it was just kind of tacked on at the end. Um, but you know, just so everyone's clear, <laughs> we're shown two panels later. Yeah. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a charred, uh, body on the ground here smoking still. Yeah. And uh, the only other thing I wanted to say about the the very end of this is that uh, the last panel shows Ayla is still on the ship heading back, 
And it says, and one is coming back to risk her life for theirs. And I thought it was interesting that they're really playing up Ayla as the the heroic character, you know, coming in to save the day, so to speak, or at least implying that she might be doing that. Right, right. That that last epilogue with those four panels kind of reminded me of what Jeff Johns does later, years later, where he does a whole page of that, but it's about the future, like stories in the future. Oh, yeah. Um, and I wondered if maybe he got, cause I'm pretty sure he was a fan of this run too. So I, I like that little epilogue there. Mm. Feels very, um, like on the next episode of Legion yeah. of Superheroes. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, oh, I, 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 I skipped over this in my notes, but I wanted to mention this. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Peter, but Karate Kid, his death here is the first time a legionnaire uh, was sacrificed since Chemical King in Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes 228 in 1977. Wow. And their deaths both involve some sort of energy sphere. Hmm. I thought that I never was read bizarre. That. Yeah, I never read that, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, Chemical King uh, absorbs the power of this this sphere this energy sphere or this bomb or something to prevent world war th- whichever whichever war it was whichever number it was i'm forgetting the details now but <laughs> but yeah so uh feral lad sacrificed himself chemical king and karate kid i'm sure there's there's others i'm uh, not remembering at the moment but uh, so in other words um Legionnaires sacrificing themselves for the greater good is, is, has, is it's a long tradition, actually. <laughs> so do you, uh, you feel a little differently by the end of this, or do you uh, still feel the same? A little bit. I, I think mostly, I think I erroneously um, attributed the way I was feeling about the ending to the, the issue as a whole. Okay. And, I, and that's not fair. Um, right. Th- there is a lot of... I, th- I just think I'm wrong about that now. Now that I'm looking back on it, it's, it's not, it's not uh tonally deaf. The whole thing's not tonally deaf. It's not without some energy, um, uh, throughout it's not, and they're not disparate, um, uh, scenes just thrown together. Like I said, so yeah, I, I, I just think I still, I still stand by my statement that, that the, the ending is not, it wasn't perhaps written as well as it could have been. <laughs> At least the dialogue, anyway. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Maybe they could have, you know, maybe took one chunk of the fight out. Like, just maybe one page of the fight out and gave a little bit more between Jackie and Val. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or, or that's not what they wanted. You know, here's the thing. All right. So I'm going to uh, sort of what you did with Mech and the five years later. Did Paul Levitz have a plan for Projectra? Mm-hmm. I mean, we know what that is. I don't want to say it just yet because if you if readers haven't read the Baxter run, they don't know what we're talking about. But maybe there he didn't want a big confrontation between Karate Kid and her because he knew what he was going to do with her. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how far back that little nugget plays. So um, that's totally un unproofed speculation. It has no bit of evidence whatsoever. Right, right. 
Um, I have one more comment. So we sort of we skipped over page 15 um, because we were getting into the larger battle scene. So page 15 is when the legionnaires who zoomed off and left Karate Kid behind, they go to check out the power spheres and they said, okay, uh, element lads like, all right, I'm going to change it into oxygen, but his powers get um, dampened by the appearance of uh, cosmic King. And Cosmic King says, uh, you've never faced my transmutation ability before. And Element Lad says, Cosmic King? And he says, I'm pleased you've heard of me, Element Lad, since I have so recently been banished from my native Venus. Oh, yes. I, I was going to point this out, too. Go this, ahead. This sequence, until this podcast and until I read it you know, for this episode, always confounded me. I had no idea what the F anybody was talking about. Because <laughs> he was saying, Cosmic King was saying, oh, you've never faced me before. Element Lad is, way, is saying, oh, well, yeah, but I know who you are. And then he's, and then Cosmic King's like, oh, I'm well, I'm pleased you know who I am. And I was like, what the hell's going on? I don't get this. <laughs> there are previous Legion of Super, you know, there are previous Cosmic King appearances where, where he does, he battles Element Lad. And in like, you know, like years earlier, and I assume you probably know where I'm going with this, right? Mm, I don't know now. Go ahead. Well, this, the, the three, I'm not sure if it's the, the all three, but I think it's all three lightning Lord, cosmic King and Saturn queen were brought from the future, not not only of the Legion, like not at the same time as the Legion, but of the future of the Legion. Oh, right. They were brought by Lex Luthor in some story, right? So the whole idea is that Cosmic King, if he shows up with the Legion previous to this story, he's from their future. This Cosmic King is from their present. This is the Technically, this is like the first time chronologically he is in a Legion story. So to him, all those stories with Luthor and all that, they haven't happened yet. The only thing that has happened is that he got kicked out of Venus, which is part of his origin. Right. So, right. So when I when I read this, I went, oh, now I get it. This isn't the first time the Legion are facing off with him, but it is the first time he's facing off with the Legion. Oh, you're, like, making, you're making my brain hurt. Do you, did you get it, though? You know, I, I, I understand where you're going with this. It's just, yeah. if you think about it too long, it starts to hurt. Right, and I think that's why <laughs> Element, Element Lad's kind of like, what the hell are you talking about? You yeah. know, like, And then I was, I was like, that's why Paul Levitz wrote that whole thing of, oh, since I have so recently been banished from Venus. Right. But, so so right. that that comes from uh, Superman 147 from 1961. Mm-hmm. So why why do you think Levitz is doing that? Because that that's a I mean that's a very confusing thing. I think he's doing that as a way to bring these, and I, I have to assume Saturn Queen is is the same, is to bring these three characters in as contemporaries rather than future villains of the Legion, not only just 
from the year 2984. Who knows? I forget where they're from. Like if they're like from the year 3020 or something like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so he's like, all right, I'm done with that. I, I, I hate that idea that for these people to be contemporaries and battle the Legion of superheroes, they have to go to their past. And, he, and he's probably like, it doesn't make sense because how can you have lightning Lord do that? If he's lightning lads brother, it doesn't make sense that you would bring him back from the future. You know what I mean? So maybe this is his way of going, Oh, all I got to do is show him in the present before he ever even, you know, has those battles. Yeah, But so. it's such, it's such a tiny piece it, mm-hmm. with with Levitt's calling attention to it like this, it just it really sticks out. It's it's Paul Levitt's putting on his Roy Thomas hat is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, you know it's it's everything that Roy Thomas did with All Star Squadron, where he would have like two panels of an explanation of something, and it's a way to connect you know stories in the past. Um, John Byrne used to do it a lot too, and he used to always stand out. It's like oh. This is obviously the writer trying to fix something. And this was Paul Levitz's way of saying, oh, by the way, this Cosmic King is not from the future. He's the present one. And and for the life of me, like I said, it never made sense until I was able to look at previous issues and then realize, oh, excuse me. So uh, I like that. I like uh, I, what I like. You know, the, the DC nut in me or the continuity nut or the, you know, the, the, the very, it's a, it's a gimmick. It's a, it's a retcon. It's a, I don't know if it's a retcon cause it, it does have precedence in previous stories. You could, you could pull that fact from that. Um, yeah, I, I kind of dug it. The other thing that stood out to me finally that I finally understand is old veer. Did we talk about this before? You know what that name is? O O L V I I R, Olvir. I remember you mentioning something about the name and how it was kind of picking at you. So what what did you find out? It's Oliver. It's Dickens. He's a kid. Oh. I forget what the uh, Oliver the orphan, orphan, you know, the uh you know, uh, from, from the musical Oliver, but also from, you know, obviously Charles Dickens, it feels like it's a variation of, of Oliver and Oliver is a kid, the orphan, you know, who goes around stealing for Fagin. Right. Um, and Olvir looks like it's a futuristic version of Oliver. So I was like, I wonder if that's what it is. That's hmm. why it was like, it's such a weird name. But so I have to imagine that it has to be that it just, it feels too, you know, he's a young kid, He's, he's an orphan or he, you know, we don't, I don't know if he has parents. Um, and the only one I could sort of think is like, Oh, it's Oliver from Charles Dickens, of course. So I'm, I'm, I'm standing by that, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> now you've got me intrigued. I want to go see if I can find out more about that. Yeah. Such a random character. Yeah. Well, yeah. And there, there, there's that scene too. It, Speaking of Olvir, you know, he blasts uh, Ultra Boy with his his heat vision, and one of the other heroes compliments him on that. I don't know. I can't find the page at the moment. Um, oh, here it is. Page 18. Uh, one of the he- other villains compliments him. Your heat vision stopped him. He says, yes. Isn't that nice? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> these, there's a bunch of weird kind of things like that. 
He's you know, creepy. the Cosmic King and Olvir's little thing. I don't know. There's there's some interesting dialogue thrown mm. in there, and they're just kind of these little things that are just sitting out there by themselves. Yeah, he's a little creep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to get into the the uh, some explanation behind the 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 death of Karate Kid that is okay. revealed in the Legion Companion book from Tomorrow's. Okay. Um, so in the, uh, this is the interview with Paul Levitz, uh, basically that he, I mean, they, they asked him point blank. So why did you kill karate kid? Uh, Paul Levitz, I think he was valuable enough emotionally that it had surprise power. He didn't have a lot of unduplicated strengths relative to the Legion. In many ways, I think he worked better as a character who was sort of a counterpoint to the Legion than he was as a member. And you've got to give up the good ones sometimes, or people think you're only going to kill the chemical kings. <laughs> That's funny. And then, uh, so this is um, this is the interview with Steve Lytle. Uh, and I think we mentioned before that um, Karate Kid was a favorite, one of Steve Lytle's favorites, and of course, it's not of Keith Giffen's. Uh, so. Uh, the question was, one of the things which you had to do, or not a question, a uh, statement, one of the things which you had to do immediately after you took over the book was to kill off Karate Kid. Uh, Steve Lotto, yeah, one of my favorites. How bittersweet was that? That was horrible, he says. I, ke- I kept thinking, there's got to be some really good reason for this. When I found out that basically Giffen just didn't like Karate Kid, and one of the last things he wanted to do before leaving the book, he told me, was to kill him off because he thought he was just such a lame character that he didn't belong in the book. I thought, that's great for you, but I'm the one who actually has to draw it because you're jumping ship. And he's my favorite character. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's great. So it's interesting that the the two, you know, compare the two uh, um, uh, viewpoints of the character by the the two you know the the, the two uh, creators uh, Levitz and Giffen. Uh, you know Paul's very kind of mercenary about it, and uh, Giffen is just just uh, I just don't like the guy. <laughs> and if uh, if anybody has the Baxter issue number nine, that's that's the letter column that talks about issue four. And uh, we're sort of running out of time here. So, but what I like about the letters is that they go every other one. So the first one is, the first letter is like, you know what, I'm not going to object to the death of Karate Kid. And then the second one was like, how could you do that? And then the third one is like, you know what, okay, I get it. If that's the one it's going to, if that's how he's got to go, that's how he's got to go. And then the next one, mm-hmm. the death of Karate Kid is a great mistake. And then the next one <laughs> is like, well, I guess, you know, it's all good. And then, you know, so I love that clearly the readers had mixed it was a. It was. A, it probably was almost tied of who did and who didn't like uh, that issue, or at least the death of of their character. That character. So um, it was fun reading the reactions to that. So, so what is your opinion about the death of Karate Kid? How, where do you fall in that? I have no opinion because I don't. I didn't really know him. <laughs> you know, like he was just. Uh, he was just a legionnaire who who died and. And again, since I wasn't reading it exactly when it came out, I already knew that he was dead prior to reading it because of later issues. 
So I, in this story, reading it now, I, I, I think the buildup to his death is great. I think his classic comic book buildup, like I said, it, it already reminded me of Blue Beetle's demise. Um, you give them one last hurrah and then they go, you know, um, and, and to the fact that they never brought him back. They, it took Jeff Johns to finally bring him back. You know, um, they actually kept him dead. He was, he was dead. That was it. Dead. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and knowing what it does for Jackie, I'm like, yeah, because that's some of my favorite Legion comics. And, and if that meant karate kid had to die to make him, Okay. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, now so looking forward to reading the the last part of eye for an eye yeah um and and because i i i know i know what happens between jackie and nemesis kid mm-hmm. but i don't I, again i know i say this at, at the end of every episode but i do not remember details about that issue right like there's so much other stuff like lightning lass and the missing legionnaires and a rando and the great passage, this other universe. I mean, there's so much that is not only going to play out in next issue, but in, in future issues too. Um, it's amazing how much this story, uh, seeded a lot of different branches of what's going to happen in the next two years. Mm-hmm. So, um, for that, it's, you know, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's been up and down, you know, reading it again, you know, it's kind of been, it's been up and down, but, um, yeah, I'm excited for this next, uh, episode. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No, I think that's, uh, I think that's it. Yeah. That was a lot. Yeah. As usual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lots of talk about <laughs> All right. So if you, again, if you want to send us email, Peter at the daily Rios or longbox review at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we will come back to episode for episode five and we'll wrap this baby up. And, you know, by all means, again, please send us emails, not only about your reactions to the episode you're listening to, but what I'm really want to Jones, what I'm jonesing to get are reactions about the next issue so like if you're reading along with us and you already have thoughts about issue five send it to us now as soon as you hear this episode uh you know because then we can include it in our larger discussion like if eric and i are are at odds with something it might be fun to have like another reader's you know point (laughs) of view because then uh it just gives us like a a, you know um, another place to go with the discussion so um you know, or maybe, maybe, maybe they're just, you know, waiting to hear what we have to say, but yeah, I, we want to hear what you want to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, Eric, another one, uh, wrapped up. Are we, <laughs> are we going to do our, our, uh, our call again? Oh, let's do it. We, we didn't practice, so <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Just give us a one, two, three. All right. One, two, Three, long live the Legion Project Podcast. <laughs> See, in my ear, we're saying it at the same time, but probably you're hearing a delay. <laughs> I, you're you're at a delay, yeah. So it's, I don't know. Well, I'm we hearing should... it at the same time. Okay. 
and I can I can edit it. See, that's the beauty of editing. I just put it layer it right on top of each other. So that's all. There you go. <laughs> Do that. I will. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. See ya. See you next time. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>